his social life. It's the Darren Show. The Darren Show. Don't ask if he's single. You already know. Cause it's the Darren Show. A simple name for a simple guy with a simple face. It's the Darren Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Darren Show. I am back. It's been a little while. We've been busy with Big Brother, but uh, I've, I've been wanting to get this back on a regular schedule, and I cannot think of a better way to kick off the grand return than an interview with the great Dan Giesling. Everyone knows I've been wanting to talk to Dan for a while. He is, in my opinion, the greatest Big Brother player to ever play the game, and I'm sure he has a lot to say about a lot of things, so I'm very, very excited to bring you my interview with Dan Giesling. It's here. I've I've got I've got this guy on the line. Uh, somebody that I think a lot of people have been waiting for for a very long time. Uh, I am here with Dan Giesling. How you doing, Dan? Hey, I'm excellent. A lot of people. What about you? Uh, well, obviously me. I mean, when I, when I conceived of this podcast, uh, you were basically the, the, the top name that I wanted to talk to. Basically. I mean, when you, when you reached out, you're like, Hey, you're the number one person I wanted the show. And I'm like, uh, I guess I have to do it. Now I'm just playing with, I was super flattered when you reached out and uh, we were talking a little bit before, you know, we started this, uh, when I saw you started your own show, I'm like, yo, super happy for you i know you're going to do a great job and and i think you bring a unique take to a space where there's a lot of um you know where there's room for something unique to happen and and so you know i've kept an eye on your show and i'm super excited for you i know you know we met a long long time ago which we can talk about that at some point but uh i'm super excited for you because i think you put in a ton of hard work and, you know, anytime I meet someone or, you know, we met, I don't know, 2012, 2011, somewhere in there. It might have been 2012. And, like, anytime that happens, like, I always keep an eye on people. People think I don't watch them, but, like, I keep an eye on you. So when, like, I see you pop up on my Facebook feed a hundred times during the Big Brother season and throughout the Big Brother season, like, I see, like, no offense, but I know it's from hard work. Like, you get look tired or more tired and more tired, but you're still grinding <laughs> it out. Like I look at that, I'm like 100%. I'm going to do a show because I know it means a lot to you. Like that well, you put so much effort into what you do. Th- thank you so much. Yeah, it, it's 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 interesting because uh, you you are the only uh, like big brother like person, survivor person, any kind of person that I had ever met before I started podcasting. Uh, you, you knew me before before everyone else did. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was like the early, 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 you know, Twitch days. So I think I was like 2012. So long story short, Taryn and I met, I started live streaming on Twitch. I Twitch was like live streaming at Twitch. And you were, you were a moderator in the early, early days. So essentially what that meant was that Taryn hung out and was a positive influence on the community, helped out. And we just, you know, I was at PAX. And did you know I was going to be there or had you already had plans to to be there how did that work out i just remember meeting you at the the convention yeah i i remember i knew that you were going to be there and i was hoping i was going to get to run into you uh i was also there uh just sort of on my own i was really excited to meet the uh the rooster teeth people as well i got a chance to meet them uh had a better experience meeting you than them not not anything against them but you were you were friendlier (laughs) so that was fun well i was saving this roast for you for this one but so typically 
you know, one of the big misconceptions or what, maybe it's not a misconception, but a lot of people think that because you're on Big Brother, you're quote unquote famous. And it's just not really like that. Like, for example, like a lot of people like, oh, do people recognize you? And if I go to a place like a convention or like a, a Detroit Lions game, one person might come up to me and say something. But in everyday mm-hmm. life, it just doesn't happen. So when I met you, and like this was early, early on in Twitch and YouTube where I hadn't really, you know, I just got started. And I met you and I'm like, okay. And I don't, and when people come up and introduce themselves to me, I'm, I'm always fired up and I love it. But I'm, I'm always trying to gauge, okay, hey, does this person know me from Big Brother or do they know me, you know, from Twitch and YouTube? And like 90% of the time, at least back then, it was like, oh, Big Brother. And then when, when I met you, I'm like, and I saw how you reacted, I'm like, all right, Taryn is 100% like a big brother person because you're just like, and I never like, you know, cause I don't know, you know, when I'm at a gaming convention, you just don't know. It's a lot different now, but, mm-hmm. and so I was kind of like, right when I met him, I'm like, okay, Hey, you know, Taryn's like at that point, you know, big brother fan in disguise. And, and there was nothing wrong with that, but I knew right away that that's, you know, just based on your, your reaction, but it, it was super, it was cool meeting you because from that point forward, you know, when you popped in and the Twitch chat and stuff, like I knew who you were. And then when things happened, which I don't know your story, but you started interning for Rob and then it kind of blossomed from there. Is that how things happened? Yeah, I mean, he he was looking for people to talk about Big Brother. And um, I had the company that I was working for had just uh, it was a startup and it got it, it was bought and then shut down. And so I'd like like the timing was perfect where I just had, I was just looking for work and, uh, didn't have a, a full-time job and he was looking for people to help out with the podcast. And so, um, I, I had, uh, yeah, I, I was just like, all right, I'll, I guess, I guess this means I have to try. And I never really thought it would go anywhere. Um, but, uh, but I sent in a video and he, he liked it. I became one of the people that he was trying out to, to be on the podcast. And then, uh, he chose me as one of the people and, you know, from there it, it blossomed. That's awesome. And I don't really know your, your persona in that community, but I know, from my understanding, it's you're well respected, and and from my understanding, just from what I've seen and observed, is that you're extremely dialed in. You you always have an opinion. You know everything, quote unquote everything, but you know a lot that's going on. But like, is your take on it that you're like the informed guy that you know is super dialed into the strategy? Is that the role? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, when I when I tried out for the party, I was like, I'm not gonna be chosen like nobody's gonna like me on the podcast because <laughs> i'm like like the boring guy that only cares about strategy and like uh i could take or leave the drama aspect and the reality tv I, like i've always just been like survivor big brother and it's always just been the strategy and from what i had seen in the online community that's kind of that was kind of a rare opinion so i really expected to be eaten alive uh but it but it actually really resonated with a lot of people well, you get you often get eaten alive. So I left one thing off your resume, and that that's defender of, of the Dan Beasley dynasty. I know <laughs> I know that people take shots at you for doing that, but you know what? I appreciate it, and uh, you know I was, I always have fun with that, especially. And that's what actually brought the forefront because you and I have been emailing back and forth and and about doing this, and it's not because I didn't want to, and I, and I tried to tell you that before the show. It's just a matter of lining stuff up, and then 
but there was, you know, someone, I think a former colleague of yours on the show started chirping yeah. and I'm like, you know what? It is time. Let's do it. And, and, <laughs> and, uh, get into it. So I'm super fired up to be here, man. I'm, I'm excited for all your success. And, and I think you're one of the people that get it. You know, you, you take it serious, but also not too serious. But I think at the end of the day, you provide a tremendous value to the community with your insight and being consistent and being there. And, you know, I think I feel like, and, and no matter what you do, you know, someone that displays those traits and shows their passion is always going to be successful. And sometimes it takes a while. And sometimes you got to be patient, but I'm just fired up for you and all your success because, you know, I remember you meeting you back at uh, Penny Arcade Expo. It was kind of like a starry eyed kid. And then now I feel like, and I don't know, you know, I feel like you're kind of doing what you want to do right now, which is, you can always tell when people are happy doing that, even when they're on day 100 of covering live feeds and they look like they haven't slept in two days on your Facebook <laughs> feed. But uh, so I'm just excited for you, man. And, and thanks for having me on. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And and honestly, like you, you were uh, definitely part of, of the inspiration for, uh, for at least some of, of what I'm doing, and especially, especially like I'm, I'm on Twitch right now. Uh, yeah. You were the person that got me into Twitch. Um, you know, I had always been into gaming, but never into like the, the Twitch aspect of it. And, um, and I feel like, like there, there's a part of you that maybe is similar in the sense that like you are, or at least you seem to me to be uh, like a, a, an entertainer. Like you have a drive to do this sort of thing as well. You went on a show, you are on Twitch, you've done a lot of other things. You're on YouTube. You're really into this whole world. Um, can you tell me where that came from? Yeah. So it's interesting you bring that up. Cause I feel like up until recently, I haven't fully internally embraced that, but it, I think back to when I was a kid and I don't know why, but in high school, back in the day there was like closed circuit television where there were people that would read whatever the high school news and announcements. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, I was just drawn to that. And so I kind of like played my way into that with the teacher that was in control of that. And I started doing that. I really enjoyed it. And I never gave much thought to it. And I, you know, part of it was like, I like doing it, but also selfishly, like when I got off of that for whatever reason, and it was like once every three or four weeks, at our high school, when I went to a small high school, there's maybe 800 students in the school, uh, 800 students in the school, boys and girls with that. But I knew coming off of that, and it was like maybe 15 minutes, you know, every couple weeks in the morning. But I knew when I walked off of that set into the school, things were different. I don't know if mm-hmm. people treated me different. That was the case. And so I, I don't know if that's how I got started. But somewhere along there, and then when I went to college, I really wanted to go into broadcasting, but I didn't do it. I I just, for whatever reason, I didn't do it. I got involved in in football. And so I think there's a part of me that has always wanted to do that. And, but I'm off camera and and, in everyday life, I'm really not like that. I'm super chill. We we were at a party, like I'm I'm at the edges, maybe talking to one or two people. I'm just not out there. But when... I feel like looking back at everything I've done, it's just when the camera comes on and not that I'm this wildly entertaining person or anything like that. I just really find myself enjoying that. And I've been able to identify that, you know, being as self-aware as humanly possible and always being into video games as a kid, I kind of shielded that from the public eye. And so when this long story short, when I found out about Twitch through this random tweet, it was kind of like the melding of those two worlds. And after now doing it for about seven years, like I just, I feel very 
content and very happy with what I'm doing right now. And uh, I, I think it's, I'm sure you can relate once you kind of find that. And it takes a while. You don't know that you're content or you're happy while you're on the path or figuring it out. But once you kind of figure it out and say, hey, this is what I truly enjoy doing, it's a really powerful thing because then all of a sudden you start to care less about, hey, about things that really don't matter. You're like, this is what matters to me. And so this is where I'm going to put my energy. So I think, you know, to kind of wrap things up, I, I just, it was kind of like, uh, it was right place, right time. And then having, being, coming off a show, having, you know, an audience to start with definitely helped, but having someone introduce me to Twitch and get me hooked up, this guy's name was DJ Wheat, Marcus Graham. And so he's like the John Madden of esports. I'd met him because he was a big brother fan and he worked for Twitch at the time or he got me connected in with Twitch. And then, you know, here we are seven years later, I have a show that I do three days a week on Twitch. And I just, I have a blast there. I can't tell you, you know, how, how, how much I, I get enjoyment out doing the show and just have a, a level of contentment in my everyday life because I'm, I'm doing what I enjoy. Yeah, that was that's a long-winded awesome. answer. That was a long-winded answer. To, no, that, <laughs> to that's, that's what that's what the podcast is for. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's my my secret weapon is uh, is silence. I let just I let just let people talk, and it and it works. Well, um, I'll tell you what. You're one of the few interviewers that, that gets. I don't say one of the few interviewers, but you're someone that gets it. Is that and it's the same thing I deployed in Big Brother. Same thing I deploy in in life. Is that you ask more questions you become more interesting. So like on something like a podcast like this, it's definitely, I'd say a little bit out of my element because I'm usually where you are. I'm usually, and that's Mm -hmm. where I'm way more comfortable, but that's what a lot of people think is that you have to talk and you have to be, have this dynamic personality, personality to be engaging or entertaining. Where most of the time it's if you're able to draw things out of people and listen to people, you automatically become way more interesting to that person. And most people don't do it because a lot of people love talking about themselves. So this is kind of that one time where I'm just going to kind of turn that off and, and just talk about myself. Cause I know that's what this show is about. Yeah. Uh, there, there have been, there have been people that are like, Oh, Taryn's going to have Dan on the podcast and, and he's going to end up getting interviewed by Dan. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not wrong. You know, they're, they're definitely not wrong. I think the first seven minutes, we learned about yeah. your, your, your rise to taking over the Rob has a podcast dynasty, which I would 100% endorse because I'm going to tell you right now, whether Rob listens or not, we got to keep his ego in check. I think, he's, you know, all of a sudden he's doing CBS interviews. He, you know what? <laughs> they say all great dynasties fall. I mean, look at game of Thrones. And I think the Cesar Nino <laughs> house needs to be put in check a little bit. So call it shots fired, but I'm you, you got an exclusive here first. I'm, I'm voting Taryn to take over RHAP. So, Yes, the robot uprising is, <laughs> is going to happen. Um, no, it's it's interesting you talked about like uh, like how you are not necessarily like the life of uh, of the party, despite being uh, somebody who you know, found a lot of success on a social game and who is now currently, uh, finding a lot of success in, in, enter- in an enter- entertaining, like, role of, of being somebody that is in front of a camera on a microphone. Um, because I, I've always sort of felt the same way of like, uh, like, you know, being, being that person that is always high energy, like, in the middle of things does not necessarily, uh, equate to, like, uh, the, the most success in, in this kind of area area um 
do, do you do you know do, do can you like try to examine of like like what is it about the uh the camera the microphone whatever it is that that really is able to like turn that turn something on inside of you well i think that for me i'm, I'm inherently and th- this is no bs i'm inherently a shy person and so uh, and I, I, I would say maybe less so now, but definitely growing up, I was very shy. And it wasn't really until back in high school when I started to do that show and like things became a little bit easier. Uh, but in terms of, I don't know if it's so much the camera or anything like that, but I feel like I, it's just, I'm able to be myself, which sounds kind of mm-hmm. weird, but like when I do my show and it's taken a long time and I probably say it's taken me in the, in the past year or two where I fully 100% like don't care. Meaning that even when I started early on Twitch, I was very conscious of what I was doing and there'd be things I want to do. And I'm like, eh, you know, it may come across weird or whatever, but over the past two years, which is really when I started my show, like I've really just got to a point where I don't care. Like I don't care what anyone says about this from a negative standpoint. Like if, if people, if I get, I'm always welcoming of critical feedback. And if it, if I keep getting the same message, that's critical over and over again, that's a huge insight to me to change something up. But I've really just become so comfortable where if you were to watch my show on Twitch, the only, the only time I'm like that in my real life is that when I'm around my closest friends and family, when I'm super goofy and I've just gotten mm-hmm. to a place of comfort of being comfortable, truly being myself on my own show, where it's, and oddly enough, that's when the show's taken off. You know, when I'm doing goofy stuff or when I have this random idea and execute on it and people laugh and have fun with it. But in terms of why that is, I don't know. You know, I just, I just, but the, the baseline answer and the true answer I can give you is that when I'm doing my show, that's when I feel the most like myself. And in my everyday life, even at parties and stuff like that, I'm just not like that because I'm not super close with a lot of people where I feel that I can be that way. You know, and I don't want to say feel like I can be that way, but more so that I want to be that way with everyone. Because there's a lot of people that in, in life that you're acquaintances with and you're friends with, but, you know, you're not super close with. And so for me to kind of, I, and I don't, this doesn't mean to sound like in a, self-aggrandizing way or a cocky way, but like, I don't want to be that way with everyone because I think a lot of people, you know, having gone through and having played the game twice and having, I I think I'm very self-aware and I know my emotional IQ is off the charts. It just is like, I I can, I know if I meet someone, I know right away and I don't want to call it a snap judgment, but if I meet a random person or a friend of a friend, I know right away what that person's about within the first couple of minutes of talking about them. So I kind of make a snap judgment on people. I'm like, okay, Hey, does this person really care what we're talking about here? Or are they just doing this for X, Y, and Z? And, and on the flip side, there are times when I'll meet someone and I'll connect with them. I'm like, okay, Hey, this is someone that I know is going to care about X, Y, and Z. So that, that way I can, you know, I'll kind of vibe with that person and kind of let them in a little bit. But most of the time, I don't know. I, I just inherently, and it's not something I actively seek to do, but I inherently just read people. And if I get the read that this person, like, I don't want to say isn't genuine, but maybe is just kind of like just talking to talk, then I check out and I'm like, okay, cool. Hey, 
what do you do for a living? Oh, I do X, Y, and Z, and then I just kind of move on, you know. And and I don't, and it, it's not meant to be in like an oh, woe is me kind of way. I just think I'm just generally kind of uh, protective of yeah, getting to know people and letting them truly get to know me because I generally don't think people are. I don't know. I don't want to say they don't care, but it's just it's just kind of a unique thing where if I get a read from someone that is just not a genuine connection, I don't try to force or push that any further. No, yeah, I, I think that makes complete sense, uh, and I'm, I, I think I'm the same way. I, I think that like uh, being, it, it, like uh, being careful about who you uh, like have more intimate connections with. I think helps improve those more intimate connections because you're not just like spreading yourself thin. Like it's a more concentrated thing when you're uh, you, you like you focus on the people that you know care and and can relate to you in the same way that you can relate to them rather than sort of like spilling everywhere to people that, yeah. that might not even care yeah exactly and that's not to say i don't care about the people that i don't have things in common with because mm-hmm. that's not the case like you know everyone i and and my big take what i'd say probably over the past couple of years is that i've come to a point where everyone i meet whether, you know, I make that snap judgment, like, okay, hey, we have very little in common. I still care about that person. And I still kind of do what I do, which is I try to find out about them, you know, so whether it's someone's random, you know, uncle or whatever. And this, I'm just saying like, this is in my everyday life, not meeting, you know, people that come up to me or anything like that. But I always just try to, to, to learn something about that person. Cause I feel like we can learn something from everyone. And, and it's, I kind of, it's in a way for me to challenge myself socially because I am at a big, there's a lot of big parties and, and I, you know, uh, without getting too much into it, my family, there's a lot of people in my family and there's always parties going on and always new people there. So I always just try to focus on getting to know someone one-on-one on the side or a couple people on the side as opposed to being a part of a big group discussion. And so part of that is connecting with people that you have absolutely nothing in common with, which, I, you know, is kind of just an extension of, um, I don't want to say what I did in Big Brother, but I'm more apt to do that now in my everyday life because, you know, sometimes I'm in social situations like being married where it's like, okay, hey, you're going to be here no matter what. So, mm-hmm. you know, find a way to connect with some people. And, and so I do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And uh, I, I have a much easier time talking with people one on one than I do in groups. I, I feel like group group discussions like uh, you're just it's like uh, it's like junk food, right? Like you're just like it's nice. Right. But you're not you're not there's nothing substantial about it. I feel like well, let me that's... let me break it. Down. Everyone's just waiting for their chance to talk and no one's listening. You yeah, know, that's, that's, that's the reality of it for, for most <laughs> of the time, unless you're with a group of like people that, you know, you connect with. But I think that's a rarity, you know. So so to me, it's you get it. And especially now, you know, I'm married. I have two little boys. It, you only have so much time. And so for me, the people I want to connect with, I want to connect with. And, and the acquaintances, I'm a little bit more, you know, like you said, not rude or anything like that. But I'm just I don't get in the about what I do on a daily basis with someone who's just maybe an acquaintance. Yeah, makes sense. Um, did you did you grow up having like a like a, a big? You, you, I mean, you talked about your family gatherings. Was it was it uh, was that always the case? Did you grow up very close to your family? No. So when I say family gatherings, I'm, I'm really talking about um, you know like my in laws. So I grew up, mm-hmm. you know, I have a sister, mom and dad. My parents got divorced when I was in college, but 
um, you know, we would get together in family gatherings maybe every other month, you know, Christmas, Easter, you know, a couple times. So I'd probably say like six times a year. So the gatherings were always maybe, you know, 15, 20 people max. And then I got married and my, without getting too much into it, my wife's family, like there's, she has like 45 cousins and three brothers <laughs> and everyone lives within, I'm not even joking, within like a two mile radius. So it was a huge shift for me, you know, adjusting to that. And everyone's super welcoming and, and they're also loving. But at the same time, it's like, hey, you know, you grew up one way, so now you got to navigate in a way. And, and like, I'm, I'm just a, a wallflower. I'm a homebody. And so part of it has been interesting for me to navigate those waters of, okay, finding the balance between, hey, look, you know, you're more, you're more chill and your wife's very social, but you figure it out together and, and, and it's fun. But I think that's what part of the reason why I did well in Big Brother is I was just able to kind of do what we're talking about. I did what I was comfortable with, which is, I don't want to say isolate people, but I would have in-depth one-on-one conversation with people and I wouldn't be in the center of attention just because number one, that's not my DNA, but two, for whatever reason that helped amplify my success playing the show where playing the game where I would actually knew people one-on-one. I knew like I was able to develop trust just by like talking to people. And one of the interesting things that I always found was crazy. And I think I'm, I might've said that a couple of times in an interview, but the first time I played the game, like I think I went two weeks and someone, the entire house may have asked me like two or three questions about myself. And so that's just cause I was so like in tune to learning about other people, but also like I wasn't chomping at the bit to talk about myself. And I'm like, okay, the second time you think it would be different. And it really was no different. You know, it was like you go two or three weeks and no one would ask you anything about yourself. And I was happy about that. Maybe a lot of it was because I was, you know, I was, somewhat masterful in deflecting questions to get to know more about people. But that was a constant both times I played was just that, you know, if you let people talk about themselves, they're going to talk. And and when you're in a situation where that's all you have to do 24 hours a day, you know, over time, even subconsciously, those bonds form. And, you know, I was throughout the game, I was able to leverage those bonds to get me as far as possible. Yeah. Well, what was it that, that inspired you to go try out for the show in the first place? Was it just that you were a fan and you wanted to go on or was there something more? So I, you know, I was definitely in like formative years, like 15 or 16 when big brother and survivor came out and I loved survivor as a kid. And I was really one of my favorite players of all time uh, was Colby Donaldson. I just, for whatever reason mm-hmm. at the time that struck a chord. And so I'd watch it with my whole family. We'd watch, we watched Big Brother and Survivor. And the first Big Brother, like, we, we watched it a lot. But it, it was like, okay, hey, this is kind of cool. And then Survivor, like, definitely stole, yeah, stole the show. And then when Big Brother 2 came out, it was like, yo, this is Survivor, but without, you know, living outside. And then at that time, 100%, I think it was 16 or 15. And then I saw Will go on. And here's this dude who's, let's be honest, not particularly athletic, but and it wasn't like super strong or anything like that, but he was able to use his brain and play chess with these individuals and was successful doing so. And when I saw that, like I'm at a very impressionable age where it's like, Hey, here's this dude who just won a half million dollars, not being faster, stronger, or really tougher than anyone. He just 
understood people and how to move chess pieces around. And so I think that was a huge inspiration. And I really, as a kid, looked to that. And I think that affected me big time. And there's this whole thing where I won't get into it, but there's this, this way of education. It's called Montessori and it's super hands-on, but there's two super strong periods of, they call it high sensitivity where I don't know what the ages are. Like I know what, I don't know what the beginning ages are, but you're super sensitive around like six to eight years old. And then like 14 to 16 years old, where you're really looking for something outside of your, your family core to identify with. And for whatever reason, right, wrong, or indifferent, I identified with how Will played the game and really looked to him as like, you know, this dude is, is doing things in a completely different way. And so I kind of, and even like I deployed some of that stuff I talked about in high school, like how to even get on that, that high school closed circuit television show. Like, I'm like, okay, Hey, who is the teacher that's in charge with in charge of picking these people? How do I ingratiate myself with this person to make them think I'll do a good job? And so I was definitely in that high sensitivity period where there was a few people I looked to him. And then it was the summer that I watched him play. That was very instrumental on, on me wanting to be on the show. And then also me thinking I could have a shot to be successful winning, because like I said, here's this dude that did it with just his mind. And then, of course, you know, he had a drastic impact on how he even played the game. And, and there's a lot of egos involved now, like in the after world, like after you win. And, 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 and from my standpoint, I could definitely say I fell into that, especially coming off the second time. But now, like being so far removed from that, like I have zero ego. Uh, I don't want to say zero ego, but like I know what I did. Like I know... <laughs> Like, I know where my game stands amongst everything, but, like, I can sit here and tell you that 100% he was the, the inspiration for me going on the show and also thinking that I could actually win. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I think I was uh, in the, the, the younger sensitivity stage when I watched yeah. Dr. Well. Yeah. Um, and, and it's also funny because I think that, uh, you know, I, I don't know a whole lot about about him, but uh, I think from from what I've heard, he is also kind of similar in the sense that he is also not necessarily always the life of the party. And he was also somebody that uh, liked to, I think, I think I, I remember... Um, I remember hearing this on All Stars that he was he he would play video games a lot as well, and um, it's like it's not necessarily the archetype that you think would succeed on the show, and yet <laughs> I, you know it has a lot. Yeah, he's you know I don't want to talk too much about him privately, but you know when I got off the show, they're really like the first time you get off the show and you win, like there's no other way to like you're launching the ozone, you have no idea what's going on, and there were two people I wanted to talk to when I got so yeah, from that world. I want to talk to Mike Boogie and I want to talk to Will. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's so m- I mean, there's just, there's so many things pulling at you. And I got some really great advice from Mike. And, and this is like coming off of season 10. He's like, look, dude, the best thing you can do is go home, go back to your life as fast as possible. And I thank him to this day. And I, you know, I've thanked him so many times because it's really easy to get caught up in all the, the stuff. But at the end of the day, like people that go on big brother for the most part, they're not Brad Pitt. They're not, they're not uh, entertainers. They're not exceptionally talented at anything. And I, I say this because I'm speaking from my own perspective. Like I'm not an actor. So when you get off the show, you don't really have any discernible talents where you're not going to host a game show. You're not going to do anything like it's just not, 
I don't want to say you're not going to do that. The majority of the time it's not going to work out because no one's trained in that. No one has any experience in that. So to get that advice from, I could have got that advice from anyone, but because it was from someone that I respected who played the game that I looked up to, because Mike's in that category too, um, you know, it meant a lot and it really helped me get back on track because a lot of people can go on a show like Big Brother and really get lost. And, and, and I think eventually you see people kind of come back to reality and some people you see never make it back. And it's really sad because it can, the show can be a great enhancer to your life, but it can also be a detriment if you're not sure how to handle it. So one of the things I try to do for the most part, just behind the scenes, I try to reach out to people that I either see like, I don't want to say floundering, that's not the right word, but I definitely try to reach out to every winner and be like, hey, look, if there's anything I can do to help you, please let me know because when Mike did that for me, it meant the world and just kind of helped me get out of that. It's just such a weird bunk um, where you think there's something that you're really not. But to kind of just wrap things up on Will, like he's just a really mercurial dude. It, you know, I, I, we've hung out once, but we text and when the season comes around, like he's just a really mercurial dude and that's the best way I can describe it. Um, but we, you know, there's a, a text chain with him, uh, myself and Derek. That's kind of like, we kind of have fun with it uh, and I'll just yeah. kind of leave it at that. But, but Will's always the one kind of stoking the fire and I'm kind of looking at Derek like, dude, for real, like we're not, <laughs> we're not playing the game and like, dude, give it, it's, it's over, man. Like hang it up. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm super grateful to him. He wrote me a, a, an email right when I got off and, and it was definitely a mixed bag of advice, but I appreciate it. I'm, and, it, you know, I'm super grateful for looking back and say, and I could 100% say if, if he didn't play the game, there's no way I would have been on the show. And I wouldn't have had the success because I definitely took a lot of what he did and, you know, adopted it and tried to adjust it and make it my own. But one of the things I will say that, that I took from him is that if you watch, I went before I went on season 10, I went back and watched season two and there was a one glaring fate that I saw he did above anything else. And that was, he never got pulled into a fight, not even once. Mm -hmm. And there's one scene for whatever reason. And I'm like, I'm digging Cause this is like a couple weeks before I'm going on the show for the first time I'm digging. I'm like, yo, he had to get in a fight at some point, at some point someone had to confront him and what happened. And I can just think back to one moment where it was Krista and him in a hot kind of went at him pretty hard. And he really diffused the situation and acknowledged her hurt feelings and was able to get out of that heated situation. And from there, I'm like, no matter what he did, no matter how many strings he pulled or whatever moves he made, that's the one thing that mattered was that he never got into any confrontation or if he did, he got out of them. And so that, I think that among anything was probably the number one thing that helped me be successful on the show. Awesome. Well, so, I mean, obviously you, you go on the show and, you know, this, you, you were, in my opinion, the most successful person to have gone on the show. You mentioned that was, that was a big part of it, not getting into confrontations, but, um, even beyond that, like, uh, you know, you, you had a lot of different things that helped combine to, to aid to your success from what I saw, which was, um, 
strategically you always knew the correct move to make the the right piece to move where to put it uh that in itself is kind of rare and i think a lot of that comes from knowledge of the show that that you probably had from watching and uh and just you know also common sense um that some people don't always have when they're playing uh and then also you know your ability to make connections that we've talked about um and also you know being able to lie convincingly is, is another part of it why do you think that that you have all of these different things to combine to make to i mean you know, hundreds of people have played this game now uh and yet you you still stand above pretty much all of them in in pretty much everyone's mind uh, what what do you think it is about you that that is that is able to to make that happen i think that's because that's what i got you know that's the cards i got dealt that's what i'm self-aware enough that's what's in my dna i'm never gonna you know, if, if I got into a situation where I, I had to win a com, uh, competition to stay, it's not happening. Like, it's just, you know, I, I'm fairly athletic. I like to think I'm, you know, have enough athleticism to win some competitions. But if to me, if winning the game comes down to, hey, you have to win this competition, I'm not going to win. And so mm-hmm. because I knew that, like, I had to use everything else that I thought I was good at, which is things I can control. I can't control if a ball is going to bounce into a hole, but I can control, Hey, these three people, at least if they win, I have a shot to go talk to them and they're going to hear me out and they may not put me up. So I don't know. I think everyone has a different set of cards. I think one of the things that helped me is that I was my primary reason there. The reason I went on was to win. Yeah. I love the show. Yeah. I wanted the experience, but like I come from, uh, I'd say middle-class, you know, family. It's not like I wasn't balling as a kid, you know, like we, we had everything we needed, but like I went there to win. I didn't want to waste the opportunity. And so everything I did was like, okay, how does this impact winning? How does this impact me surviving another, another week? And I think to do that, it takes a certain element of self-control and in an environment where it's designed for you to lose self-control. And I think that's, that's the hard part is, and I'm guilty of it as well as, is, is going hard on people. And I, and I particularly look at season 15, like that's coming off of season 14 when I talk about being wrapped and up and stuff. And I went pretty hard against those people, but at the same time, like there's a lot of, you know, just, I don't know, mean stuff that happened. And I always feel like the game's designed to do that to you. But for me, I just, I was able to not get into fights over pieces of chicken because a piece of chicken doesn't matter. A half million dollars matter. And so my thing was I knew what I can control and I wanted to reduce the variables outside of my control down to luck. Right. So I didn't want it to be like, Hey, if so-and-so wins this competition and I don't, I'm out. And so there's only so much you can control in the game, but I knew if I could control the variables that I could control, I would at least give myself a chance and, you know, worked out, you know, almost two times. Um, but I'm super, you know, super grateful for the opportunity but for whatever reason, I feel like some people are designed to play basketball. Some people are designed to be podcasters. For whatever reason, you know, I just felt like I was, at least in that era of my life, I was, um, you know, I had the DNA to play that game and to play it well and, and then execute on it. 
Yeah. Do, do you do you have that sort of philosophy in in your real life too, of like trying to only uh, worry about the things that you can control and and trying to you know have the self control to not rise to uh, you know confrontations and stuff like that? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty uh, conflict averse, and uh, and I feel like I learned a lot from Big Brother because you got to remember when I went on Big Brother, I was 24, and you know I, when I walked in the doors for the first time. I, I was a huge shock for me. I'm like, yo, I'm going to walk in and I'm going to puppet master this whole thing. And I got there and I'm like, I'm way in over my head. And so you got to remember, there's this kid who's 24 going through this game. And, and I want to call it a coming of age. So that's you know putting too much emphasis on it. But like I walked off that show and I was like, yo, if I can do this, there's not a whole heck of a lot I can do. Cause I don't want to say I wasn't confident going into the show, but I'm definitely not as confident as a human as I am now. And even in my audition tapes, like it was a 100% affront to get to that point. And I feel like when you win a show based on essentially climbing a social ladder, you're inherently going to become a confident person. And I, and I think each time I played the game, I just developed more confident, confidence in myself that I can be dropped into a situation and figure it out and just find a way to do the best you can, whether you win or not. And so I think as a person, and I think it has very little to do with the money, but just to be in a, in a foreign situation and succeed is a confidence boost. I don't care what you're doing. It could be, maybe you've got a new job and it's completely out of your element, but if you find a way to succeed in that environment, you're naturally going to be a more confident person. And so I think after the first time and even more so after the second time, like it, it, I know if I can do that, there's not a whole heck of a lot that I can't do in my life. Well, something I remember you talking about, I think it was um, when you did the, the 10 year, was a 10 year anniversary thing on yeah. Instagram. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I caught, I caught a, a good portion of it. And, and uh, I remember you talking about sort of the, the impact psychologically that it has on you to be in a game where you are constantly lying and stabbing people in the back and, and betraying them. Um, and also, um, you know, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but something that I've noticed is that when people go on the show and they succeed in in a lot of ways, it, it can sometimes have a visible impact from from what I can see that, you know, power can kind of go to your head sometimes that it's like, wow, I have power over. I've never I experienced this in life before because I've never been in a situation where I'm supposed to be lying and manipulating people. But now I am and I'm having power over them. And that can uh, not always necessarily be like a bad thing where it leads people down a bad path, but it definitely can impact you and have some kind of effect of, of uh, on your personality or, or how you're how you're acting whether it's within the house or once you get outside of the house. Um, can you, can you speak on that at all? Yeah, 100%. Like I didn't, to be honest, I didn't know I had that in me the first time I played to be able to do that and keep a straight face and like, Hey, look, no, this bomb cell's going to drop. It's going to drop about someone that I've been close with and friends with and be able to hold that in. And then not only that, but then to execute on it, like, you know, I don't want to say surprise myself, but it's not like I was doing that as a teacher or any time in my life. So I would say coming off the show, not so much from that perspective, because I I feel like once I got off the show and I'm like, Hey, yo, I I can do this. And one of the things I'm proud of, especially now, you know, and I always knew in the back of my head, but especially now that I have two sons is that I know they can, I'm going to be okay with them watching those shows. And I'm not going to have to say, Hey, look, 
you know, dad did this, but you can't do this. You know, I'm not going to show him it tomorrow. And, you know, cause there's lying and things like that, but you know, I'm, I, I'm always proud of the fact that I never went after anyone personally. You know, I never yeah. made fun of someone. I never, you know, yeah, I lied to them about the game, but I never got ugly. So I'm super, I'm happy that I had the foresight back then to do that because, you know, that's on film forever. But in terms of, I think what you bring up that's really interesting that not a lot of people talk about is when you get off the show, when I got off the show the first time, like I was 100% in some kind of ozone daze for like six months after. And it takes a while to get out of it, you know, especially when you're not prepared for it. And I think sometimes you hear other people talk about this, but you're definitely in a daze. You think you're something special and you're, you just, it's just, it's, it's really bizarre. And so the second time I'm like, Hey, no problem. I know what's going to happen after the show. I'm prepared for it. I'm not going to go through this like decompression period where things are really weird mentally for you. And sure enough, second time comes around and you think you're prepared and you're not. And so I think that was, that's the biggest thing that I think people aren't prepared for. And, and Mike told me this, when I got to show the first time, Mike Boogie, and he's like, it's going to be messed up for a while, man. You got to figure it out. And it, it happened the second time to me too. And I think you saw that if, you know, even, and it's, I don't want to say it took longer, but it's, there's just such a weird decompression period. And you're talking to someone who's extremely self-aware. Like I pride myself in being self-aware. Like, so if I'm out of line, I know I'm out of line. If I'm doing something offbeat, I know I'm doing that. But even with that, and like, I feel like I have great, self-control and emotional control even the second time it was it was a tough go um so it it has an impact on your personal life no matter how prepared you are even the second time at least for me what what kind of things specifically would you find uh yourself uh being impacted by or like like what actions were you taking or or whatever yeah i think just for me it coming off the show it's there's like this odd sense of for me, like you're more important than you are. And I don't know if, and it was a great learning experience for me, but at the end of the day, it's a game show and, you know, things move on and people move on and there's new season, things like that. But I don't know. It's really bizarre. It's, it's so hard to explain, but the only way I can describe it is you're not yourself. And I wasn't myself. Um, And even, you know, I don't want to get too much into it, but (laughs) <laughs> like when I got off the show the second time I was married and my wife saw me and she's like, like, I think I lost, I don't know, 20 or 25 or 30 pounds. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a big guy. And she just was like, you were kind of hollow for a while. And I think beyond physically, I think she was talking mentally as well. You're just kind of, you're there, but you're not there because you're cut off from everything. And I think people deal with it differently. And I think I was just kind of like checked out. I want to say maybe checked out emotionally because for me, the way I play the game is when I go in, I literally turn my emotions off. I don't care. Like I was the second time I played in particular, it was more difficult because I had a wife at home. So to like turn that off, like I literally had to turn that off when mm-hmm. I played the game the second time. So I'm thinking if I'm thinking about my wife at home, like I'm going to get emotional. I'm going to have exposure. People are going to see that. And so I can't do that. So I think to maybe make the best metaphor I can, I 100% turn that off when I walked in the house. So when you leave the house, you don't just flip a switch and turn it back on. It takes a long time for that switch to come back around. And, and I'm lucky I have a really 
strong support system. Uh, my wife is amazing that they were, you know, there when it, you know, they got to wait a couple months to get that thing back on. So for me, it's definitely, I don't want to call it dangerous, but to play the game, it, it's for me, it's a lot because I literally have to be someone else to do, to play how I want to play, which is if I'm playing, I'm, I'm playing to win, you know? Yeah, I think I mean I think part of what makes the game so so entertaining and interesting is that uh and also a little bit sadistic is that it's basically <laughs> trauma. It's it's emotional trauma that it pushes people through. And you know, you can't go through trauma without some kind of coping mechanism and I think that a lot of people coming out of the house have you know their own version of 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 coping through it and and yours was turning off your your emotions and and trying to, you know, look at it just as a game. And, and, you know, I think when you come out of the, the, the game, part of the coping can be as well, like, Oh, look at all of these other people that, um, that appreciate me now. And, uh, and like, this is the world that I've been living in for a long time. And that, that makes me feel good. And it's hard to, to reconnect with who I was before, because you've just gone through this huge thing, completely separate from everybody that you knew before. And, uh, and I mean, a lot of people have talked about this, uh, on this podcast of, of just like, you know, it's, it's complete, it's two completely separate worlds. And, you know, you just experienced all this stuff with a group of people. And then also there's that community. And then there's also the people at home and some people don't go back home as, as Mike Boogie told you to do. And they, they stay in LA and they, they hang out there and they immerse themselves in that world. And I think a lot of that probably comes from just trying to cope with the trauma of playing the game. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think some people might look at somebody who gets a little bit of an ego after the show as like, Oh, you know, look at that person. They're, they're so full of themselves now. But, um, you know, I think that, that probably part of that is just trying to cope with what they just experienced and, and le letting themselves be built up a little bit helps I'm sure for a little while, even though ultimately it would probably be destructive. Yeah. I think, I think you hit on two good points. One, it sounds like you've been through it yourself, but uh, you know, to, to have that insight, I feel like everyone, goes through it in some way, kind of like you said. And for me, there's no judgment on or anything on people that want to go out of LA and do their, that thing. Um, you know, cause I see people do that. I'm like, yo, good for them. I, I hope they, you know, have it figured out or, you know, hope they're ready for the long haul or whatever. But the other thing, and, and this is not a what was me thing. Like both of my experiences on the show were incredible. Like I had an amazing time, enjoyed it, wouldn't train it for anything. It was vastly positive, but there is collateral damage. And the collateral damage for me was the adjustment period, but in weighing everything out, like it's 99.9% a great experience. You know, like I have no complaints about it whatsoever. Even the second time, like I enjoyed it. It was yeah. a dream of a lifetime and it was such a positive experience, but I think it is interesting to you to speak with you about, Hey, no matter what, there's going to be some collateral damage when you go in the house and for everyone, it's a little bit different. And for me, that's how it, it manifested. And, and like I said, even the second time I was super aware of it, and self-aware of it, but it didn't matter. It still had the similar impact. Yeah. And I mean, like you, you are somebody that is, you know, obviously very self-aware, very healthy emotionally. Uh, you probably had one of the 
most positive experiences that you can have on the show, <laughs> you know, going and winning and then second place the second time you're a widely, uh, liked as a, as a player, you're not even like, uh, you know, uh, like a hated player or anything like that. Um, but, it, but it doesn't, I don't think it matters how positive the experience is. There's always going to be some, some bit of it that's going to be difficult. And, and that was obviously the transition period for you. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's, again, I feel like that's part of what makes the show, interesting is seeing how people cope with the difficulty of being put in a situation like that like uh where you are it's it's a cutthroat environment and you're playing a game and you're also on television and um you know, I, I personally would like to see a little more support given to the players. Uh yeah. you know, during and especially after. Yeah. And I, and I and I get where you come from and I think from the CBS standpoint, I don't know what they can do different. You know, I don't know that there is anything. I think they do a lot, but I really think the best way to kind of come out of it or adjust out is is actually from former players that have been there. Mm. You know, I, like for me, that's what worked. And, you know, I, I just don't know. I don't know that you can prepare. Like there's not something out there that says, hey, you're cut off from everything for three months. Here's the manual on how to get better and, and, or how to get back to your life. And I, I don't, you know, I don't even know if, if CBS knows, I think it's so different for everyone, but you know, you talk about, you know, it being such an adjustment. I know for, for me, the second time it took like a year. And, and even if I were to go back and look at some of the things I tweeted about, you know, season 15, like I was, if you look at that, I'm such a different person now because I think I was still caught up in it. So like, I want to issue uh, on the Taren show, like a blanket, you know, apology to people on season 15. And there was some really like tough stuff that happened on that season, which, you know, it is what it, you know, it's not is what it is. It's, you know, some horrible stuff, but I think mm -hmm. I went pretty hard on a lot of people. And I think that was more, um, you know, not willing to let go more so than anything against those people. And I think you see that a lot where, especially now, and once you kind of get out of it, then it becomes, when you take a step back and for me, not taking a step back from big brother, but my, my big thing is big brother. Now is how can I add value mm -hmm. to the current season? I don't want to talk about week 10 competition, veto competition in 2012. No one cares, you know? And I, so I feel like to me, that's always one of the things I try to tell uh, or uh, when people come off a show and reach out to me, I'm like, Hey, like be a part of the community, add value but talk about the current season and maybe talk about what you would have done different if, and this person's shoes and that, but I just feel like the people that get it, get it. And the people that don't, don't. And I feel like it took me definitely a year, another season to go through for me to kind of fully get back to normal. So I don't know there's, there's times when like, I, you know, I look back at that. I'm like, yo, what was I thinking? But at the same time, it's just, it was, you weren't out of it yet. So for me, it took a year that second time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I said, I said that you had one of the most positive experiences you can have, but I also think that the losing finalist on these shows is one of the most difficult positions to go out on. <laughs> and that obviously happened to you in season 14. Um, I, I, having played such a great game, uh, you, you ended up losing the jury vote. And I know that I am a very competitive person. And mm -hmm. I know that if that happened to me, I, I don't know if I would ever be able to talk about Big Brother ever again. <laughs> uh, and as it, as it was, I was so annoyed at the result that I couldn't think about Big Brother for months afterward. <laughs> 
um and uh on like i i I was completely gone from the community for months and then i saw you on twitch and that actually kind of like i was like all right well dan's okay with it i guess i can (laughs) uh but but what what you know what what do you go through having played so hard so long i mean you know obviously uh you know at least one of the best players of all time and the jury doesn't reward you with the win uh what how what was it to go through that well you said one of the best of all time that's not the reason why i came in this podcast i was <laughs> well, under, I said at least, yeah, I was at least. Paul's I'm just playing, I'm playing. <laughs> I, that was that's one of the things about the experience that was probably the easiest like i don't want to call losing was easy but I really I didn't play the what if game because I, I just feel like I did everything I possibly could. I left it all on the line. And I've told this before, like had I won the final competition, I was taking him with me anyways. Like, yeah. I, you know, in hindsight, people are like, oh, if you took Danielle, you could have won. But I, was, had I, I wasn't going to do that anyway. So it's like I almost feel better. I don't say feel better, but if I would have taken – if I would have taken Ian and lost, then we may be having a different conversation. But for me, I, I just, I did everything I could uh, essentially for a metaphor. I left it all on the field. And so I look back, I'm like, what could I have done differently? Nothing. You know, if I do something differently, I'm probably not sitting there. And it is what it is. I, I feel like the game has changed drastically. And for me, the big difference between the two seasons outside of having to work way more way harder the second time is the jury format and when you play mm-hmm. a game where you're you're doing a lot of deceit and you really truly surprise a lot of people and you don't have that time to explain like in season 10 the jury format you can you know i was a couple hours long in the second time it was a couple 10 15 minutes it's just not enough time but at the same time that's on me that's i knew that was the format and i just going into it i didn't think like going into it, I thought I had a sh- shot to win, but I, d- I really underestimated the impact of how people walked out the door and not having that time to say, hey, look, here's what I was thinking. Here's why I did it. Here's why I feared you as a player. Because that stuff goes a long way in trying to get a vote. Um, so because of that, like I'm okay with it. There's nothing more I could have done. And But I think we've seen a fundamental change in the game and you talk about heartbreaking, like I've won the game once, maybe it's a little different if, you know, I'm like Paul and you take two L's back to back and you're that mm-hmm. a vote away both times. Like to me, that's tough, but I've already won. So I'm okay. And I'm just, it, he seems, you know, uh, like I, I was heartbroken for him, you know, and nothing to take against the other two people that won. You're happy for whoever won, but to fight and go all that way, I think that's a much more difficult pill to swallow than look, I had won once already, but I think we've seen a fundamental change in the game, even with last season. Like, I don't think you can play the way that Tyler has played, like Paul has played and win. Uh, It's been proven. Like you and I will probably say, Hey, look, strategically, they were the best players, but I don't think that kind of game can win in this environment with the quick juries. You know? So since you've had quick juries, unless they're sitting against someone who's, you know, uh, I'm what they call it a goat, you know, someone that just mm-hmm. hasn't done anything like you're not going to win. If someone has remotely been kind to people, didn't rock the boat, that person's always going to win in this format. So I think it's, it's up to the players now to either evolve their game or play nice. But I don't think from here on out, I, I'll say it here. I don't think you're ever going to see a winner 
who plays that way, who plays deceitful and really hard on the strategic end and sends people out in a shocking way that's great for television. I don't think you're going to see those people win. Now, I hope that we continue to see people play that way because it's so entertaining. But if there's someone listening to this now that's preparing to go into the house, like I'm telling you, don't play that way. Be nice. Don't rock the boat. And you've got a shot to win. I just don't think we're going to see anyone win like that unless the jury format changes. Well, I mean, I, I do think that uh, that it's possible. I do think it's more difficult now um, because of the jury format. And it's something that I harp on every single uh, season at the finale. I'm like, why are we still doing it this way? We should do it the other way. Because not only, not only does it make more sense on a strategic standpoint, uh, f- like f- for, for the players like you, if you had had more time, who knows what could have happened. Um, but also from an entertainment standpoint, the live jury questioning that is done over and done with in five minutes is so much less entertaining. <laughs> it's they're they're reading from a cue card and we're getting like, t- you know, 30 second answers and it's, it's not very fun. So I, I, I just don't, I, 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 the only reason I can think of that they even do it is to to have the live part of it, uh, you know, the, that they have the final three competition is, is live and the, the question is live. But uh, apart from that, I really feel like it's all it's all downsides. Yeah, I mean, they've got it down to a science. You know, it's, it's, it's a live machine and they have to do what they need to do. But I disagree with you. I don't I think if you play an in-depth game where you, you're doing a lot behind the shadows, I don't think. I think to win, you have to have enough time to explain yourself. And and that's even me saying, had I had that time, I don't even think it would have made a difference. But I think for new players that play like that, I think it's a tremendous advantage to have the time to explain yourself. Um, but to kind of wrap things up on season 14, bottom line is I didn't get it done. Ian played a good game and was nice to a lot of people. And, um, you know, in hindsight, I don't want to say I'm happy that he won. I'm not happy that I lost, but like yeah. it's something that I don't, I, I can tell you I haven't thought about once. Like I don't, and I know it's different for people. I've talked to the people that I played with. They're like, "Oh, I think about this all the time," and I'm like, "I don't. I really don't." And I think part of it is when you go to play the game, if you play as hard as you humanly possibly can, and you don't insult people and you don't, you know, take personal shots at people. I think you can you can go to sleep at night and not have any regrets, or at least for me, that's, that's how it worked for me. Yeah. Well, I, I think there was a, sort of an unintended consequence that I think even maybe production didn't, didn't foresee with the coaches format where, uh, you know, you went in as a coach, not as a player. And then eventually, you know, a few weeks down the line, you entered the game as a player. And I think for the other players in the house, that was, extremely that felt extremely unfair to them and i think yeah. that that sort of outrage transferred on to you uh you in particular as a as a former winner um and uh you know we what we saw in the feeds was people you know making pacts about like we'll never vote for one of the coaches <laughs> um and and i think that uh you know that was unfortunately again something that you had to work against uh that was outside of your control and uh, you know i am i'm on record as as saying that your game in big brother 14 is probably the most amount of adversity anybody has ever faced uh, apart from maybe eric stein uh, as America's player on season eight. Um, and so, you know, it's, I, I think that you can say realistically that you did everything in your power. I, there's really not a whole lot that, that I can point to 
um, in your game on season 14 is like, oh, maybe he should have maybe he could have done something else here but who knows what the result would have been so you know it's like uh it, I, I i totally get that and i think that um it's a it's a healthy viewpoint for it yeah i mean and and on that season i'd say it's definitely i had to work way 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 more hard for a lot of reasons it also was way more emotional for me on that season like I was devastated. There was a point where I was devastated in the diary room crying. Like that's me where I'm like, yo, there's no way I'm crying on the show. And then, but for me, cause I just felt like I let, let so many people down and it, it's because it came down to whatever, a bouncing ball or a competition. And then I got locked in, into the room or whatever. But I was like, literally before I went in there, I was devastated. I've never felt like that emotional in the game before. But, and, and so I think that like, um, it, it, it just, it was a really, it was so much work the second time around. It was still a lot of fun, but the first time it was like, Hey, I don't want to call it cruise control, but it was just, it was a lot more fun and it was a lot easier. And the second time was just, it, it took everything I had. And so when, when it was all, when the votes were all set and done, I was like, kind of like, all right, it's over now. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's all right. You know? Well, I, I mean, I think that's, again, that's something else that goes to my point of uh, the show being sadistic, but fun because, you know, <laughs> you and I was talking, we just ranked the seasons and that was part of what inspired the, the tweet. Uh, but like, w- you know, talking about season 14 and, and season eight, you when you take a player like you, uh, who is so good at the game and you just put them through the ringer over and over and over and force them to find their way out of it, you're going to come up with a lot of really entertaining entertaining results like the funeral and like Shane's blindside. Uh, so as, as unfortunate as the ultimate outcome was, uh, we got a lot of good, great stuff in the meantime. Yeah. And, and selfishly, I think losing the second time actually did more for my quote unquote, big brother legacy, whatever that means. There was this documentary I, I watched as maybe like my late teens. It was about Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier and they, they had like an epic three, three fights and it went back and forth and back and forth. And, and the first one, you know, Muhammad Ali's this brash guy and he ends up losing. And there's this commentator named Burt Sugar and I believe that's same Burt Sugar. And he goes, so Joe Frazier beat Muhammad Ali in the first fight. And he said, and this is how I feel about big brother too. He's like the winner that night was the loser and the loser that night was the winner. And, and I was, I'm not saying that about, you know, Ian, I'm just saying, I felt like by losing that, it caused people to get more of an uproar and be like, yo, you know, he's the greatest of all time and things like that. Mm. Um, and I feel like that did more for my big brother legacy than actually winning twice. Now it's a little bit different story for my bank account, but you know, so I kind of, I kind of <laughs> smirk about that because like when I got off, like it was just, you know, that, that's what all that was talked about. And, I, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know how, how that affected Ian. We've not really talked about it. But to me, that's what it felt like the conversation was getting off the show was that, hey, Dan was robbed and it wasn't, hey, Ian won, you know, which is, you know, unfortunate for him because but but my thing was is that when it was over, when it was really over, I tried to do everything I could ego aside to promote that experience for him, you know, mm-hmm. just. Like it's like I cared about the kid and and he won and it's like yo this is your time enjoy it but you know to me that was the conversation that kept getting pushed my way which you know I laugh about it to this day but I just think about that quote from time to time <laughs> yeah uh, you're, you're probably right actually like thinking about it um, well, you know, like Sandra I, she won twice right 
Mm-hmm. But you you think of like other people as at least I do. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Did, did she get she play a third time? She did. Yes. And Some people say her third game was her best. And she lost, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you might be onto something. <laughs> no, but it, it is. And then you think about like the other players, but uh, you know, I look at someone like Jordan, like she won and then she got in the top four. Like that's mm-hmm. really hard to do, you know, but a lot of people don't, don't give her a ton of credit and, and whether you say, however she got there, it's just, my thing is that if you want to be in that conversation, you got to play twice because it's so different. And, yeah. you know, you know, Will played twice. He did really well. Some people say he's like a competition away from winning twice. And it, it's just, it's so hard. So I'd love to see, like, look at Paul. Like, he killed it twice. You know, he came up a vote short. So I don't think there's any question on one what type of player he is. You know, or when you see someone play it twice and they do well twice, someone like Jordan. Like, those are the type of things I like to see because then it's like, okay, hey, I don't want to call it a fluke. But then you're like, they've been able to adapt their game. So that's one of the things that tease Derek about. You know, when the season rolls around, like you start to get a few texts and I always say, hey, dude, you want to be in this text chain? You got to play again. But... <laughs> it's got to make it happen. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Tyler could have been added to the yeah. uh, the text. If he yeah, you know, I was like, I was definitely, sorry, you got to tell me who was in the final. Oh, it's him and Casey, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely like, I'm watching at home. I'm like, okay, if he doesn't win. And this is nothing against Casey. I'm like, okay, this style of gameplay is dead because I felt like, and I don't remember that much, but you know, I felt like he was generally pretty amicable and likable. You know, yeah. He didn't really tick off a ton of people, and then to do that and not win was tough. But at the same time, he's going against someone that was very well liked, that won competitions, that worked hard. So it's, I just think it's it's really hard to win nowadays in that way. But anyways. Well, it was such a, it was such a weird situation because he was in a showman's with somebody that he could have won sitting next to, um, and in some ways, uh, if he had if he had been less strategically oriented and had kept her around, um, he he might have actually won. Um, yeah. But what are you gonna do? Yeah. Um, so uh, so you you get you're done with Big Brother 14. Um, how how do you, so you you talked about the transition period? How do you go from you know basically being people people refer to you as a Big Brother god? Like how do you go from being that having that status in a in a huge community of people to going back home and like coming down to real life and just being a normal person again? Uh, like how what is the process? Of, of doing that so the faster you can make the process the better but for me it was just trying like taking what mike boogie told me the first time and trying to employ that as fast as humanly possible so i tried to go back the second time and do as much as part of my normal life and start that back up again and i think um i can't remember i don't think i went back right away to coach but i definitely got involved in football and was around the program and I just tried to do things as normal as possible, even though it, it ended up taking a lot of time. But the faster you can get back to your job or whatever it is that you do. And for me, like, I didn't know what I was going to do. And, and so, you know, I had options or whatever. But I don't know. I, I, I often don't think about it in that regard. But it is kind of like fun and cool to one day like tell my sons, like, hey, look, you know, you look at this or this community or this arena of competition and I can you know, kind of look at him and be like, Hey, you know, your dad was the best at that. And I think, that, I think that's fun. 
but I don't think about it too often because it's, it's part of removed from my life. Meaning that I look at big brother now as, and this is an analogy of like, I climbed the mountain once and I was fired up and I had the invitation and experienced to climb it twice. And so for me now it's like, okay, I'm on to other mountains and, and trying to do other things. Like I feel like I've done everything I possibly could in that arena. And it was funny when I did that, that 10 year mm-hmm. anniversary Instagram, I saw a couple of people chirping saying, Oh, this is Dan's audition to replace Julie Chen. And I, I just looked at that and I'm like, these people are out of their minds. Like <laughs> I have no hosting experience whatsoever. And I have no desire to do that. Cause like, I love my everyday life, but it's just for me, like I did that because I thought that would be fun. And if I was like, if that were to happen with the season that I was a fan of, I would watch that. And so for me, I'm pretty removed from the community in in terms of, and I think that helps. Like I still watch the show as much as I can, but I I usually rely on Twitter. Like I follow you and, and um, I used to follow a big one, a Twitter account, but I think they stopped last year. It might've been, I don't remember what it was, but like, that's how I get my big brother stuff. I'll always watch the big episodes, like the double eviction, and when I try to live tweet, I always try to tweet and talk about the season and what's going on. And so I think taking a step back and really being removed from the community, I don't want to say removed from the community, but not engrossed. Like if you notice, like I don't go to a lot of really the big brother events. Mm-hmm. I don't talk to a ton of people in the community. And that's not because I don't like the people or anything like that. It's just, that's just not where my focus is. At the same time, when I do my live stream, I do my live show three times a week. And people come in and, and they're like, Hey, once you got in big brother, like I'm, I'm super grateful for the experience and that people will come in and ask about the show. And I'm always excited when new people come around and for someone to come in or even come up to me and say, hello, or, Hey, I liked you. Like I'm super grateful for the experience because I know not a lot of people have had the experience. Not a lot of people have had the experience that I had in terms of it being so positive. So I just look at it uh, like I, I feel lucky that I can call someone, leave them a voicemail or FaceTime them or send them an Instagram DM and like make them laugh or make them smile. And so I don't take that for granted, but I also don't take it too seriously either. And I feel like that's where I've really changed from the second time coming off the show. After I went through that process, I'm like, Hey, you had a great experience, but at the end of the day, it's just a part of your life and you know, don't take it so serious. And since then that's kind of when, you know, I kind of got out of that. That helped me get out of that mode for those couple months after the show. But I don't know. I don't really like, I don't think about it in that way, but the few times that I do, like when you bring it up here, I just kind of like laugh and smile and be like, Hey, you know, back in, back in the day, your dad did something kind of cool. So, mm-hmm. well, I, I mean, it sounds like it kind of comes back to what you were talking about at, at the start of the podcast about um, like relationships and how you tend to really focus in on, uh, you know, certain people in certain relationships uh, where, you know, you were in a relationship with Big Brother for a while, um, but now you need to focus on other things like your family and, and Twitch. And so, you know, it's not like Big Brother's out of your life. Um, but it's not your whole life. No. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I will always watch a show. I always will love the show and I'm super grateful for the experience. And, and the one thing that I always want to make clear is that like, I'm super grateful for everything 
the show and the support and everything. Cause it's been really overwhelmingly positive, but I'm just grateful for the opportunity. And because of that, like I never shy away from if someone comes into the chat, ask about big brother. Like I, I just always welcome that because I just feel fortunate enough to be in the position to be able to talk about that or that people care, you know? And, and so I, I'm just, I'm just so grateful for the show and for the opportunities and for the people that made that happen. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty close with one. Of, I would say pretty close, but I, I talked to one of the executive producers and I'm just, I'm just grateful because end of the day, they could have picked anyone to go on the show. They could have you know taken a chance on anyone, but for whatever reason it worked out. And so anytime something like that happens, I, I just, I just look at it from a place of gratitude, but also a perspective where I don't take things super serious anymore. I don't get into like the the conversation about, uh, you know, who's the best of all time. I mean, you know how I feel about that, but I just, I don't take it too serious when I do. It's always tongue in cheek. And, and I always, my thing is when it comes to big brother, I always want to keep the focus on what's going on now on big brother. What's what, how is this group of players? Um, because I think that's what is what really the best way for me to provide value and to provide insight and entertainment to the people that still watch the show and, and, and it's no judgment on people that still talk about their season, but end of the day, I just, it's like, Hey, I just tr- try to find a way to, to make things better for people, whether it's the people that watch the show or the people that come off the show, because it's such a unique community. It's, it, I mean, you know, it's so tight knit and, and everyone's so passionate. Like I'd be very foolish to, to not recognize you know, how lucky and, and grateful, I, uh, you know, I should be for all the support. Are you still open to, to going back on TV at some point, whether it's big brother? I mean, obviously you've spoken a lot about that in particular. Um, but, but even just another show like, uh, the amazing race is having a, a bunch of big brother and survivor people on it. Um, or, or anything else like, is that still something that you're open to, if not interested in? Yeah. So I, I mean, I could tell you this, I think it's been long enough, but I was asked to go on big brother Canada and I said, no. And then the amazing race stuff, they reached out and I'm like, I really don't want to do it. Um, and I think for something like that to be successful at it, you got to have this burning desire. And for me, mm-hmm. like the first time I played, there was a burning desire. The second time I played on season 14, there was a burning desire. And I cannot, I can't convey this to you enough. When I, when it was all said and done and I walked out the second time, there was, zero flame. I have no desire to go back into that house. I have no desire to compete on another show. Would I go back in like a fun capacity where it's like, you know, you don't have to compete. It's just kind of a a fun situation. Yeah. All day. I love doing that kind of stuff, but I just, to have that edge, you got to really want it. And I can sit here and tell you I have no desire to do it. Now, with that being said, the only thing that would, would amplify that desire would be if they're like, Hey Dan, we want you to come back and compete. And the only way I would consider it is if there was a huge lump sum up front, but between mm-hmm. you and I and your podcast listeners, that's not going to happen because they don't, they don't have to do that. You know what I mean? There's so many players and mm-hmm. kudos to them that would play again for free. And I just don't fall in that category because I don't really have a desire to play again. You know, when I talk about leaving it all in the field, like I literally like have no desire now, I just, I just don't ever fathom any reality situation where that's going to happen. Um, but would I love to go in for a night or two and mess with the house? Yeah. You know, and that's where I think <laughs> it was fun with, 
with Canada, they reached out yeah. to me, I think on their first season or was it first or second, first season, yep, first season. And they're like, Hey, we want you to come in and host a competition and hang out. I'm like, well, what if I just stayed the night? And they're like, yeah, we can do that. And I'm like, all right, that'll be, you know, like then I'm definitely in. Uh, so like, I, I would love to go back and, and have fun every now and then and just mess with the house guests or do that kind of stuff. But in terms of competing again, unless they'd have to pay me a lot of money to leave my, my life, leave my mm-hmm. family. And even that, I don't even know, you know, like I couldn't even, if they're like, Hey, we'll pay you X amount up front. I don't even know if I would take it. Cause at this point for me, I enjoy my day-to-day life. I enjoy my family. I enjoy what I get to do every day. And I don't even know if there's any amount of money that would make me cut all that off for three months. I just don't, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a person over, I don't want to say over time, but I'm just not a stuff person. So I don't, need a lot of money. Like I, there's not like mm. I drive a 2009 Ford escape with 90,000 miles on it. And, and I love it. Like I don't need new cars. I don't need new clothes. So therefore I don't need a lot of money. So I work hard in, in the businesses that I run and, and take care of my family. Yeah. That's what's most important to me, but I'm just, I don't even thinking about it now. If they're like, Hey Dan, we'll pay you X amount to come on. I just having gone through it twice and knowing what it takes, I just, I can't see myself doing it. I really can't. Like I didn't really stop to think about it because that's kind of my default answer. I'm like, Oh, if they pay me enough money. But even with that, I just, I don't see it, you know? And and I feel like it's been a good, a a good two season run. I had a ton of fun with it. I'm super appreciative of the experience, but I just, if you're like, Dan, I'll make this happen. I just, I don't think it'll ever happen, man. Yeah. Um, you know, some people have, uh, said that, that they should do basically how they do the celebrity version. It's like three weeks that they should do that as the all-star version. Um, and just get some of the, some of the people that wouldn't want to do it for three months on in, uh, in a, a shorter version. Um, but, uh, but I, I think that, um, I, I think that what you're saying makes sense, especially with, with everything you've said, like, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the drive isn't there and, and that's sort of how I've felt about when people ask me all the time if I'm going to try out for the show and I feel like maybe a few years ago I might have been like yeah uh but I I don't I don't know like I like my life and I don't know that I would care to change it by going away for three months and uh you know being on this crazy show so um I think it makes a lot of sense yeah I mean look at everything you've built and all of a sudden you turn that off for three months like as great as you are, things are going to be different when you get back, you know, better, worse, or indifferent. And like, take my family out of it, which is the no, no, most important thing. Like I, w- I have two sons and, and to be away for three months and come back, they're totally different humans. And so like, yeah. take, just take that out of it. Cause that's so important. And, but just look at, for me, looking at my YouTube channel, my business, my Twitch show, like it's taken me seven years to get to this point and then you just turn it off for three months and then come back. It just, it doesn't make any sense. You know, like that's where my passion is. And so to walk away from that for money, it just doesn't make any sense. And it, and the other thing, it, it wouldn't feel right. It's like the first time when I went back both times, it felt right. It's like, there's no other way to describe it. than you got something in your chest or in your stomach or in, in your heart, even that you're like, this is what I got to do. And like to, for me to do it now, it, it wouldn't feel genuine or, you know, it's, it's always, I will say this, it is always exciting to get a phone call from the 818 area code. Cause I know who it is, or I know at least what company it's coming from. 
And it's always flattering to, to have that conversation in the pontificate. Oh yeah, I could do this, but I, there's zero desire to ever go again. So t- tell me more about your, your passions now, uh, because you did, you started the, tw- the Twitch stream. Um, I, I remember back when you started it, uh, with, uh, I, I think Minecraft was the first one, right? Um, yeah. you played Minecraft and then you were into a uh, binding of Isaac. Um, I got really into binding of Isaac because of you. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and, and, and you, you, you've just built it from there and it is, you know, entirely, you know, cer- certainly there might've been some people that knew you from big brother to that, that sort of transitioned over. And I, I was one of those people, um, for a long time. Uh, but, but really this is, this is built up from the ground up. I mean, there were not many in, in, from what I saw people that were like conversions, it was mostly just you making connections in that realm and building your audience by just by working for consistently for years. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the thing just to give your listeners some context. I think when I first started live stream, I think the first one was December, 2011 was the first live stream I did. And there was probably 15 to 20 people watching Mm -hmm. and 99.9% of those people were big brother fans. And then fast forward, seven years later of doing it and doing different iterations of the show and trying a bunch of different things. You know, now there's probably consistently somewhere around, depending on the night, I'd say somewhere around 500 concurrent people that watch the show. And for me, one of the, I don't want to say struggles, it's not a struggle. One of the challenges that I was very aware of when I went down this path was like, Hey, you're Dan from big brother. And so to, to make that switch from, Hey, you're Dan from big brother to, Hey, you're this guy who has a show on on Twitch and has gaming videos on YouTube. Oh, and he also won a reality TV show. And so like to make that switch, it's taken seven years. And it's funny to me now because like there's, you know, I'm, uh, we have a subreddit and there's the com- community discord. And, you know, I look at everything. I look at every piece of feedback, every comment, everything. And it's always funny to me. I'll be like, Hey, you know, I've been watching your videos for a while. I didn't know you were on reality TV. And to Mm. me, it's like, I don't like fist pump at that, but it's like, it's taken seven years, but it's worked. And and it's just a matter of, like you said, growing the audience organically where I'm super fortunate and super grateful that I started out with an audience from Big Brother. And there's definitely people around that were around because of Big Brother, 100%. And I'm very aware of that. But to get to a point now, and this isn't, this isn't super important to me, but it was cool when it happened where now, every now and then, like even to a couple of local restaurants where I live, like I was at a, a, a Thai food place and this guy comes to me like, Oh my gosh, you're Dan. And I'm like, Hey, what's up, man? He's like, Hey, I love watching your videos. And I'm like that, this was like the first time that someone had come up to me talking about gaming stuff and not like about big brother. And like you, I can discern that conversation pretty quickly. So like, it's always awesome for me to meet people in person and that's really cool, but it's really kind of, I don't want to call it a validation, but going through the process of taking seven years to not convert an audience, but to build an audience in a different aspect of what I do online has been very rewarding because of what I focus on on the show and the gaming space, it's, it's so wide open and it's so different, but I just focus on 
keeping things like super clean and super positive and making things entertaining because I know I'm always not going to be the best at a game, but I can always make things funny or fun and I can keep things positive. And that's kind of the community that sprouted up around is that people that, you know, are looking for that and like to be entertained and like to, you know, get away from whatever their everyday nine to five or whatever's going on in their life. So it's been a really fun challenge that I accept and have gone about doing, but at the same time doing that, being grateful for the people that come around from big brother, you know, like I said, I've been streaming on Twitch for seven years and I'll still get people in every single day and be like, Hey, you were on big brother, right? I didn't know you stream on Twitch. And to me, it's always like a perpetual challenge because if I haven't reached that person yet, and I've been doing this for seven years, it just shows how much more work I have to do that, you know, for every tweet, every Instagram post that there's still people out there that don't know that I put a show on, on Twitch that's gaming related, but I have a YouTube channel with gaming videos. So it's exciting. And I feel like you probably feel the same way as like, we are in such a unique time in history where you can have a podcast about big brother and focus on one part of the strategy and build an audience. And all of a sudden that's your life and that's your job. Or you can have a show on Twitch where you play games and you're okay at the games, but you make them fun and you make it a positive, funny viewing experience for people. And all of a sudden that's your job or that's your business. And, and so to be able to do that and be successful at it, and have fun with it to me is like the ultimate reward. Yeah. Um, so like, what is it, what is your, your day to day? Like, you know, uh, being now, you know, I think you could be qualified as a, as a streamer, right? Uh, like as your, as, as at least one of your titles, like how, what, what would you describe your job as? Yeah. So it all depends on who I'm talking to. So you and I talked about, Hey, if you meet someone and they get it, then I tell them everything. If they Mm -hmm. don't, then I just tell them what my day-to-day business is. And I'm really private. So I spend probably full-time effort on YouTube and Twitch, but that's not my full-time business. I run a private business and have been running it since 2015. And I don't really talk about it online for a lot of reasons, but one, because I just don't have really anything to offer from that business for people Mm -hmm. online. And so that's like really my full-time focus. And that's what you know, we've been doing since 2015 and, you know, it's part of how I make a living. But the interesting thing is, is that the side, the side business, the gaming stuff has now blossomed to, it's like a full-time job and it, and it, from a revenue standpoint, it's just been growing year over year and, and it's been really successful. So I think at some point I'm definitely going to transition from my day-to-day real life business and put even more effort on the gaming stuff. But I even now, like I I put two videos out every day on YouTube and I have three shows a week, really a fourth if you had a collaboration. And to me, that's perfect. Where like, if you're like, Hey Dan, how much more would you do it? I wouldn't, I wouldn't add another day. I, I really like the balance that I have. I get to be around my sons and my wife and hang out. Um, so I really, I wouldn't change that, but I will say in the future, this is a, the first time I've really been open to doing it. I'm, I've been working on this project for my real life business. I call it real life, but my non-online <laughs> business for uh, probably a couple months, definitely the biggest endeavor I've ever taken on. And I recently made a decision to document it, have it filmed. And so I think for the first time, probably in a couple months, I'm going to release like a three or four video, like really quick thing, just kind of explaining 
hey, this is another part of my life that a lot of people don't get to see. And I'm excited. I'm excited to share it because there is like a little way for people to get involved. But it'll be fun because I get that question a lot when during the Twitch show or in the YouTube comments, like, hey, is this your full time thing? And I always explain to them, hey, I put full time effort into Twitch and YouTube, but it's not really my full time job. So I think it'll be fun to kind of be able to share that with people. And when people ask that, it can be like, hey, yeah, if you're interested to see what I do, what I do outside of gaming, this is what I've been up to. So that'll probably awesome. be out in a couple of months. That's cool. Um, so, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, I probably approach Twitch in a, in a similar, not, maybe not quite a similar way. You, you're certainly more involved than I am, but, uh, Twitch is almost like a side thing for me with the podcasting being the main thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but it's, but it's a lot of fun. And, uh, I mean, personally, I found that, uh, it, it can be, um, it can be difficult to to be like live for long periods of time trying to make sure that you're like being entertaining do you ever do you ever have uh difficulty like with long streams like that like for me when i'm podcasting i I always know exactly like there's a topic and so i can just talk about it endlessly because i'm uh boring like that uh that, no, that's but how you're wired yeah right exactly when i'm gaming uh like i'm not usually talking when i'm gaming so like sometimes i just get really involved and i realize i haven't been talking and i'm like oh my god what am i doing and it's like it's a constant sort of like struggle for me to to talk and to like keep being entertaining did you have that struggle when you started uh and i imagine you don't have it now but do you have it now yeah i mean 100 percent over streaming on twitch for seven years like I've learned a lot. I've learned what works and what doesn't. And and that's even more so talking internally. So now what I do before I used to, you know, have a schedule and I'd stream really long hours. Now it's like a show. And, it, and I feel like I've been able to use my background in production, meaning that from CBS and having that experience where it's a show. It's not, mm-hmm. I pride myself on making an entertaining show. I don't just sit at the computer hit the start button and stream like there's segments planned. There's different things I do every single day. There's it, I just find different ways to make it entertaining, whether it just in a, in a plethora of ways. So I know my essentially my pinnacle or my I don't retaining point or whatever. I do a show from 12 to 3 PM Eastern. Sometimes it'll go a little over, but I know the breaking point for me is about three and a half to four hours. And I know that that's like the point of diminishing returns where I'm not being as entertaining and it's time to shut it off. And so that's the way having learned that after, you know, executing on it and working at it for seven years, I'm like, here's my sweet spot. I know these three hours are going to be, you know, it's going to be funny. It's going to be entertaining. People are going to be fired up. And I know, Hey, look, when it gets around that three, three and a half mark, go start moving to the outro phase, start doing, you know, running the segments that are the end of the show. Um, and so that's how I treat it. I treat, I treat my Twitch way different now than I did when I first started. I treat it like, like a TV channel. Like when you tune in to my, mm. my Twitch channel, it's like, Hey, you know, the show you're going to see, you know, to expect, you don't, you don't know what to expect. That's going to be different and funny, but you know that I'm going to be on for three hours and you know, during those three hours, you're going to be entertained and that there's gonna, you're going to have a lot of fun and you're going to walk away. My thing is that, that I try to impress upon. And the whole, one of the whole reasons why I do it is that I always say, if you enter the show with a straight face, 
or maybe sad, you're going to walk out of it smiling. And if I do that, then my job's done. And I feel like that's what I focus on on a day-to-day basis. And then all of a sudden, seven years later, I look back, I'm like, is this really, you know, are there really this many subscribers to show? Is it generating this much revenue? Am I having a lot of fun doing it? And it's like, I just feel so grateful, but it's a lot of hard work and efforts gone into it. So when I say, eventually when I scale back on my real life business, I'm not going to be live for longer, but I'll put more time and effort into the development of the show and pushing different segments and, and different elements and graphical elements and audio and, and things like that. So it's, it's really just been a lot of fun and it's extremely rewarding because it's like anything else. Anything you want to do that's worthwhile takes an extreme amount of effort and a long period of time, whether it's going on big brother took me four years to get on and essentially having a Twitch show and a YouTube channel has taken me seven years. And I just feel like I've got to the point now where I kind of get it. And I know there's so much I don't know about it and, and I can get better every single day and make a better show. It's just, it's just really exciting because I really enjoy my day-to-day life. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you talk about like trying to make people happy on the stream. I know that positivity is like a huge thing for, for you, like on the stream, your community is a very positive one. Uh, you, you even try to, you know, keep the show, uh, family friendly, uh, for the most part. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very, it's just a very positive experience. How, how important to you is, is, is making sure that that stays that way? Yeah, it's super important. And it, and it goes back to how I approached Big Brother, where I knew that there's a lot of things I'm in control of and some things I'm not in control of. And one of the things I always knew I was in control of is, hey, am I going to do something on this show that's going to disrespect my family? Or one day when I have kids, they're going to watch this and be like, yo, dad, you did that. That's pretty messed up. And I feel the same way about Twitch, where I'm producing a show where one day when my kids are old enough, they can go back and watch them and be like, I don't have to worry about them watching like swearing or anything gratuitous or anything like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but for me, that's how I produce a show. I want someone to be able to watch a show that loves gaming and maybe it just so happens they're eight or nine year old or 10 year olds in the room. They don't have to worry about turning it down or muting it or anything like that because they know they're going to be able to watch a show and nothing off color is going to be sad or anything like that. So that's really important to me. And and it's it's fun when I get tweets saying, hey, we watch you as a family or whatever. But the thing is about the show, it's not like I'm not playing like kids games. Not that there's anything wrong mm-hmm. with playing kids games. Like I'm playing like definitely like mature games. Like I'm playing like shooting games, but there's nothing outside of that that's you wouldn't want your kid to watch. It's not like I'm talking about lewd things or anything like that. So it's that part's super important, meaning that you can watch it like whether your grandma's in the room or your kid or whatever, but also like being positive. I feel like, and I don't want to make a blanket statement about gaming, but I think when people come to the channel, when the show's on a lot of people that are there for the first time, it's definitely a little bit of a culture shock from what normally happens. I don't want to say normally, but what happens on some other streams where like there's really no toxicity or anything like that. And that's one of the things I'm really proud of is as the show is grown it's been really important to me not to lose that element and that the community's super welcoming and super friendly and it's just it's so important to me because 
I don't want to be doing this just for whatever reason. Like I'm doing this because I enjoy it, but also I know that like I'll get, and sometimes it's been a really interesting process to go through like the accepting phase of it because you almost, I don't want to say I don't believe it, but I would start early on. I would start to get messages saying, Hey Dan, like your show is brightening me up. Thank you. Or, Hey Dan, I was going through a really tough time, but I laughed through this series of yours. And like, at first, because you're new at it, you're like, do these people really feel this way? And then now it's at the point where I get those all the time. And it's kind of like additional fuel or uh, uh, even validation. Like, hey, Dan, what you're doing and what you visualize, what you have in your vision is working, that people are coming, they're having a good time. You're able to distract them or maybe even, I don't want to say change how they think, but there's a lot of things that happen in the show. Like I play a lot of games that are very difficult, that are like induced or created to frustrate you. And mm-hmm. so I make it a point when that stuff happens, like something completely un, quote unquote unfair will happen during a game, but I'm very aware of my reaction to that. And so I always like, I'll laugh it off or I'll make a joke about it or we have fun with it as opposed to sometimes on Twitch, you'll see people get really angry or, you know, they'll blame the game. And I feel like through osmosis, cause that's how I do my best to, to traverse through life is that bad things are going to happen you can either dwell dwell on it and cry about it, or you can laugh it off and find a solution. And so I think, you know, I'm not I'm not delusional by any sense of the imagination, but I feel like a big thing that I feel strongly about is whatever content you consume, whether it's a TV show, a, a YouTube show, a Twitch stream, whatever. I feel like whatever you consume, whether you realize it or not, you start to become like that. So for me, what I'm putting out there, I'm trying to put things out there that, you know, give people the ability to laugh off adversity and find a way through or not take things so seriously, which is ironic because the games that I play are very serious and generally are in, are in a community of people that are very like what they call them gaming, like sweaty, like super tryhard people. So I think mm-hmm. that for me to have like a different slant or a different take on that is very unique and different. And so, you know, I'm super grateful to the people that make up the show, which is the community, because really without them, the show doesn't go on. And so there's just a really, and it's, it's funny to see that you'll have some people come in the show sometimes and, you know, they may swear, say something lewd. And I don't even have to say anything like people in the community be like, Hey, you know, like things are a little bit different here. And then you see over time, like the person will either take off and they'll never come back or they stick around and they get it. And it's just cool. It's such a, like I said, it's such a unique world we live in where if you put your head down, you have a vision and you work hard and you have patience, like you can pretty much make a living doing whatever the heck you want uh, with how much the internet's come around. Yeah. And and I mean, I I can say that, you know, when I, when I was more involved in your community, it, you know, I checked it out because uh, because you were Dan Geesling and, but like prior to that, I had never really been involved in any online community. I was somebody that like would dabble here and there. I got really into like Xbox live when it first started. And I was like, I had friends on halo too and stuff like that. But, uh, like I was never somebody that was like involved in a community, even, even Rob as a podcast, I was just a listener. Um, I wasn't like involved in that community, but I stuck around on your, on your Twitch channel because because of the positivity because people were very friendly and it was just a nice place to just hang out and uh and you know even though it wasn't 
like I was watching, I was watching you play games. I'd never done that before. And it was, it was genuinely like a nice experience. And that was part of what I was drawn to initially when I watched you play Big Brother too, was what you talked about, like not ever going after anybody personally, like that meant a lot to me, uh, you know, as a, you know, 18 year old, uh, or 17 year old watching you play the first time. Um, and then even the second time, like, uh, that, that I could really just be like, yes, like this is, this is what I like about the show without any of the, the negativity or the downsides of the show. Um, so I, you know, if for all that, uh, I like to, you know, really play up the like, Hey, Dan's the best, which I do think you are, uh, <laughs> like that's what, that's what really draws me to you personally in terms of, uh, like being somebody that likes what you do and appreciates what you do is, is the positivity you put out into the world. And, and I think that that's really important. And I, I think it's uh, something to be commended. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And I think that's something where like, that's really, I don't want to say lauded or that's not really celebrated or really looked upon, especially online about, looking at things in a positive slant. And that's why in the earlier part of the show, you know, I issued that blanket statement because if I look back at like some of those tweets I sent around season 15, I'm like, that's not me at all, you know, and that's not what I want to put out there. But at the same time, like that's what got the traction. And that's what I was focused on then where now, like just even from like a, a a social amplification, if you tweet out a statement saying why this player wasn't good or something they did that was, dumb like that got amplified so much versus if you tweeted out something about a different player that you liked and something they were doing well it doesn't get that amplification and for me it got to a point where i don't care like i don't care about the amplification i don't care about that stuff and that was really once like i said once i got off of once i got back to normal like and that stuff but if you look online the stuff that gets spread is the negative stuff so i'm trying to just for me, it's just doing what I always do. I go the opposite of the way everyone's going because that's, that's how I'm wired. I'm not negative in my real life. I'm not, I don't swear a lot in my real life. And so to be able to do that and then have people like enjoy that and be a part of the community, I think is, you know, it's special. And, and I'm very protective over the community and, and it just means a lot to me. But I think over time you'll see that that is what is always going to win. You know, it's, I get to a point where like I may follow someone on Twitter and then all I see is like complaining and this and that. And like, whether you realize it or not, like that affects you. It, it, it may be in a mm-hmm. minuscule way, but I believe wholeheartedly that affects you even in, in everyday life. If you're around someone that's super negative or whatever, and this isn't like me pontificating or me being rah, rah, which is a whole different story about why I stopped speaking in colleges and stuff like that. But like, I know that affects me, so I know that affects other people. So I'll get to a point where, like, I'll just mute the person. And it may be a friend or someone that is an acquaintance or someone that whatever that I've done videos with or whatever. But I just, I'm very protective over what I consume. And in turn, mm-hmm. I'm very protective of what I put out there because I want to put stuff out there that makes people laugh, makes people have fun, make, makes people try to find the positive in things. And it's, it's cool to be able to do that through the gaming medium because that's where my passion is. I've, I've liked games since I was a kid, I've always played games. So to be able to combine all that is like, I wouldn't have believed you if you're like, Hey, you took six year old Dan and be like, and told him, Hey, when you're 
an adult, this is what you're going to be doing for a living. Like I, my head would have exploded. Yeah. And that's, that's honestly, it's, uh, you know, uh, really part of why I, I started this podcast was, um, because I, I, I find myself being more negative than I would like to be <laughs> talking about big brother because it, that's it the happens, world you're yeah. in, right? Like, yeah. uh, you get so caught up on in it. Um, and I, and I'd like to think that I'm like one of the more positive voices in, in the, at least vocally in the, in the community. And I try to keep people as positive as possible, but, but this podcast is really where I have an outlet to just completely be myself and to like, just, uh, help prop other people up and tell their stories. And as you talked about before, uh, you can learn something from, from anybody that you talk to and, um, I, I try to, to do that with each person that, uh, that I interview. Um, and so, well, for uh, you, I'm sure it's, for anyone really, it's, it's particularly tempting, you know, you probably have some snarky in the chamber ready to go and you know, <laughs> Hey, look, people are going to love this. You're going to retweet it, but you got to make that decision. You know, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, no one's infallible or anything like that, but you, you know, it's, it, there's definitely a temptation, but for me, when, when I take the numbers and like I said, social amplification out of it. And that, when that became not important to me, that's when everything really turned the corner uh, in, in terms of growth and enjoying myself and, and building the community. But I think inherently for you, that's what you battle in, in that, in that environment of podcasting and reality TV, people like to hear that stuff, but at the same time, you know, you can car, you've carved out your own niche where you, where you're the voice of like, Hey, maybe, I'll talk about why I like this player as opposed to being snarky about so-and-so, you know, there's enough people out there doing that. And that's where, where I was kind of bummed out. I wish I remembered the the Twitter account, but there was, and and if there is anyone's, any Twitter accounts like this that do live feed updates, please tweet me at Dan Giesling. But there was this massive live feed update uh, Twitter account that I followed for all my big brother stuff. And all it was, was objective statements about what's going on. Like, Oh, so-and-so did this today or so-and-so is doing this not oh so-and-so is doing this and oh what an idiot or they look stupid you know i, I just don't mm-hmm. i don't want to follow a, a for me i don't want to follow a big brother update feed with an opinion i just want to see what's going on oh, I, I, I don't was it big brother leak i don't know one of them i don't Andy remember Daly? what it was i don't remember but they had like over like 150 or 2000 people following them. And I was just, when they shut it down, I don't know what's last season, the season before I'm like, no, I don't, I don't know where to go or to just get a, a news feed without opinion. Um, yeah. There's a place and there's no judgment for people that do snarky updates, but that's not for me. That's not what I'm looking for, but there are a lot of people yeah. who like that and, and get enjoyment and laugh and escapism from that. So to me, it's, I never want to, cause I don't, I never want to come from a place of judgment. Cause it, it doesn't, I don't care what you do as long as you're not hurting people. But for me, like I said, I'm just being protective over what I put in front of my eyes. And so that's why I really liked that feed because it was just like, almost just like a news site. Oh, you know, so-and-so woke up and did this or whatever. This is how the conversation went. Yeah. I, I mean, I personally find those to be completely necessary being somebody that 
needs to know everything that happens because you can't trust the ones that have opinions, including myself, because and I tell this people all the time, like, uh, like, I mean, on my updates, I I have like commentary, but I keep the facts uh, as the facts. Um, But like, you know, if you if you really want to know everything that's happening, you can't just rely on one source. It's not what I do. I have to, you know, make sure that I am trying to avoid people that have a bias that are going to represent things in a in a way that aren't necessarily uh completely accurate and really you're never going to find somebody that's a hundred percent uh going to interpret things the way that you do because everybody has their own interpretation of events but um you know but i feel like you're at a point too where people follow you or tune into you because of your opinion so you you know they they know that you're going to come at it with a strategic angle and what your thoughts on what the best move is at the time so I think, you know, I think it's an interesting dichotomy where it's like, hey, you want objective information, but at the same time, there's people that, that you enjoy following and respect their takes. So you want to hear their take and you want their opinion on it. So, I mean, there's, that's why it just goes back to whatever you want to do on the internet, you can find a way to make a living doing it, which I think is, is exciting for both you and I and everyone else out there, whether they're like Big Brother Gaming or collecting GI Joes, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is exciting. And like, I know for me doing this as what I do full time, I feel like my, I don't know, like growing up for me was almost like the process of, you know, making myself progressively happier and more content. And I think that podcasting as what I do full time is something that I love was almost like the final piece of the puzzle for me where I I put that in and it's like, this is, this is what I want with my life and everything has come into place in the way that I want it. And that doesn't mean that everything is always perfect because you can't control everything, of course. Um, but trying to focus on the things that I can control and being happy with what I ha- am lucky enough to have uh, obtained over the course of my life. Um, I, I, it, it has really been a major uh, point in it. Um, do you feel like it, a, a similar thing with, with being able to do the streaming? Uh, because I also know that you, you know, obviously you've talked about this a little bit. You recently had uh, two, two children now. Um, yeah. And, uh, and that I imagine is another huge piece of, of your life that has come to together so uh can you tell me more about all of that yeah and i but i think for you is that i imagine you're probably a lot more fun to be around you're a lot more positive to be around now because you're generally happy and people that are generally happy are a lot of fun to be around because they're doing what they feel like they should be doing or at least what they enjoy doing and so i I feel that way you know i feel like i have the ability to spend a lot of time with my family, my friends, play with them, watch them grow up. And I get to make a living doing a hobby and really, you know, having fun and entertaining people. And, you know, I have a supportive wife that even in the beginning where it was like, I don't want to say, cause it's not, to me, it's not about the money, but where it's not generating really any revenue to now where it is like the support was always the same. So to have that and to be able to progress and get to a point where you're getting to do what you want to do and you're happy and you go to bed at night and you're excited to wake up the next day because of what you get to do. It's just, you know, ultimately the word I keep going back to is gratitude. I just feel 
very grateful, you know, and, but at the same time, it takes a lot of patience. Yeah. But at this, even in that same vein, if you're doing what you want to do, all of a sudden other things that used to matter don't matter. Like mm-hmm. things like how many times do you get retweeted? How many views block that stuff doesn't matter when you're doing what you want to do. If you're doing things for those reasons alone, then that becomes very important. And I, and I feel like that's where people may get misconstrued and maybe get a little lost uh, myself included. When, when you focus on that, then that is not really where the, the joy comes from. The joy for me comes in the process, the grind interacting with people and just getting to do wh- what I want to do every day. And so to be able to do that. And then I always say, um, you know, when I think about my sons, like I have two, I don't want to call them mini me's, but I have two kids that like, I'm a kid at heart. Like if we're at a family party, I told you I'm on the wall, like maybe talking to someone, but really I'm out with the kids, like playing basketball or messing around with the kids. I'm just a kid at heart. So to be able to have essentially like two little humans that you're responsible for, but you also get to enjoy life with, it, it definitely affected me in, in ways that I never thought it were, I, I feel like I feel so happy that I kind of laid the groundwork before they were born to be able to enjoy time with them that mm-hmm. I can now. And, and so to be able to just see how much they change and, and, and their personalities, it's, it's just, I, I really, I really enjoy my life right now. I have, you know, a great family. I get to do what I, I love to do and I'm healthy. And, and I feel like recently, one of the things that I've, I think hit me kind of in a unique way is I have a family member. I don't want to get into a family member who's in like a, a senior home. And I've never, I've been pretty fortunate throughout my life where I haven't experienced a lot of like health issues or deaths in the family. And so to, to kind of go through that, it's almost like sparked me even more to say yes to more things and to even oddly enough, take a step away from work sometimes and enjoy more things because I feel like, uh, you know, I'm 35 and I'm really healthy and I just want to be able to enjoy everything right now, as opposed to like putting my head down and working and being, Oh, I'll enjoy this in a couple of months. I've really, especially the past couple of months, I've been able to take a step back and kind of enjoy smelling the roses while I'm working through the garden, which is something I haven't really done before. Um, but I think it's all just phases of life and, and being able to do that. And then all of a sudden, Hey, now it's time to put your head down and get back to work. Uh, it's just, it, it's all kind of come full, full circle for me is that like I've developed confidence through being on the show that I, I would say I didn't have before, but also some of the things that I had before I, I went on the show, maybe some of the, I don't call it being naive, but it's kind of come back and it's kind of just come full circle. And I've just, like I said, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but I'm just so, so grateful for everything that's happened. And I kind of try to approach every day like that. Yeah. How how do you try to uh, like convey stuff like that to your kids? I mean, growing up now in, you know, the society of likes and retweets and social media, <laughs> uh, are you concerned about that for them as they grow older? Do you have like, a, uh, I don't know, like a plan or, or like, how do you, how do you deal with that as a father? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're still pretty young. So my son Desmond, he's about to turn three. My son Miles is about a year and a half, but 
for me, the way I'm going to approach things for them and, and how I approach things is that I just, I mean, I guess like any father would, I just try to protect them from some of the things out there, but I'm hyper conscious of how I am around them because I don't want to have a reaction that they think is normal. And, and mm-hmm. for, I mean, I just think the first thing that comes to mind is, is that when I get home from the office, like one of the things I'll do with my son is we'll just like tackle and we'll run around and my son tackled me and like cracked my head into like the hard part of the couch. And it like, I mean, on a scale of like one to 10, like I have a pretty good pain threshold. It was like an eight and a half. And like my son knew he did something, you know, it was a complete accident, but normally I may have like yelled something or whatever, but I looked up, like I got hit and then I looked at his face and it was like instantly like you react in a way that you want your son to react. So I just kind of rubbed it and he's like, I'm sorry, Dan. I'm like, Hey, it's no big deal. You know? And so like initially, like you, you kind of change your initial gut reaction for me, at least around my kids, because that's how I want them to act. Like, I don't want, you know, if an accident happened, I don't want them to yell. I just want them to be like, Hey, you know, rub it off and, and things happen. Um, so it's kind of walking that line with like modeling how you want them to be. But at the same time, just letting them be themselves. So if they are like that, you know, you kind of sit down and talk to them about how they react. And it's really funny because a lot of the time, and I didn't expect this as a dad, but a lot of the time when things happen, like, and I'm, like I said, I'm a little kid, like my son Desmond will say things and it may be in like a, it's a time for discipline. And I'm sitting there like cracking up. I'm like, what is coming out of this three-year-old's mouth? And, And so I'm not the best example of that, but I just, I'm such a kid at heart. I feel like even younger now that I have two kids and I know that sounds a little weird, but it's just, it's really kind of given me, I don't want to say a reason to, cause I'm always going to act like that, but like a, a second stage of childhood where I get to play with them, but also knowing that I'm their, their model and for discipline and things like that along with my wife. So I just try to not take things too seriously, but just really enjoy the time with them, especially being healthy and being able, being able to run around with them because you never know how long you have to do that. Yeah, that's great. Um, all right. Uh, is, is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap things up? No, I think this was to me when we, we talked to me, this was kind of, I don't want to call it the, the end chapter, but kind of the end chapter of like talking about big brother. That means like, I'll never not talk about big brother when people want to bring me on and stuff, but really kind of doing like a in-depth retrospective, for me, the big focus for things, especially in this realm, is just trying to add value. And, you know, to me in this realm or reality TV is talking about the current season. But really, you know, if if anyone listening to this, I just hope that they're able to kind of walk away with some perspective on what I'm up to now. and But more importantly, like a way you can approach things in a non-like rah-rah way, but a real executable way that make allows you to be successful. So I feel like hopefully this gives people some insight as to how I operate on a day-to-day basis that, you know, isn't just talking about hypotheticals, but what I actually do that's kind of helped me. I don't want to say that's helped me pivot and build something outside of the big brother world. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. I mean, you, just, uh, just talking to you, I'm, I'm, I'm already thinking about like, uh, I, I have a set, goal of like you know i want to be 
more positive. And then I, you know, I hear somebody like you talk or I talk to somebody like you and it reminds me of like my goal and, and where I want to be. And so uh, I hope that if anybody well, else, what is it that you want to do or what is it that you want to be? I want to be able to not <laughs> be as impacted by the person on Twitter or whoever that is like, uh, you know, Hey, you know, this per you said this thing and it sucks. And I'm like that. I didn't even say that. What do you mean? I said that. <laughs> I know you're not asking for advice, but can I give you some advice? Yes. So to me, like, I don't say I love that stuff, but when Johnny rocket one, two, three, five says, Hey, Taryn, you're an idiot. Be like, Hey, yo, I respect your opinion. I hope you have a better day. Cause what I've learned, like that's not like, that stuff happens all the time. And I feel like that's a good sign for you that people, number one, are listening. And number two, that they care enough to tweet you. But also my perspective on it is, and I hope this helps you, is that when someone sends you something like that, and if it's truly like, I don't want to call it nasty, but if it's truly like taking a shot at you, most often than not, something's not going well for them. And so you'll be surprised when you react to someone like that, be like, Hey dude, I understand where you're coming from. Um, or you ask them to elaborate or whatever. You'll be surprised how fast that person will change their tune and be like, yo, I didn't think you'd respond or whatever. Um, so when you like, that's how I frame it in, in my head. Cause that's what I've gone through is that most of the time when people will say something like that, something either went wrong or they're having a bad day or whatever, they spilled their coffee on themselves. And it's crazy to see, like, especially over time, I've been doing this for seven years. Like, someone will say, oh, you're terrible at this game. And then I'd be like, well, I hope you enjoyed it or at least got a laugh out of it. And then that person will come back. Or maybe they won't, but at least it, you didn't let them affect you. I feel like I feel like that is my – like, that's who – I feel like there's two parts of me. where I, Part of me is that person, and I've, I've reacted in that way before, and I know it's the better way to react, and it makes me feel better. But then sometimes it's almost like – uh, I forget who I am and I get dragged into uh, <laughs> sort of like what you, what you talked about, where it's like, you start to become what you consume. And I am immersed in a community where there is a <laughs> lot of great stuff and there's also a lot of bad stuff. And, and sometimes I find myself slipping into a role that I never, I never really had prior to being on the podcast. And um, you know, being in a position where there is an audience and there's a lot of feedback on you all the time, it has, I think, in some ways strengthened who I am and, and helped me grow uh, because it has introduced that, that kind of adversity. And at the same time, it is adversity. And it also has introduced challenges um, to me that I, that I still have to work through. Um, and, you know, so that I think that's that's part of it. You know, sometimes you find yourself in a position where uh, you're like, uh, oh my God, why did I react that way? That's not like who I am, but I just like, I didn't even think about it. And now I'm like, ah, all right, well, I, I just got to be better in the future. <laughs> well, I, the, so the way I look at Johnny Rockets, one, two, three, five, leaving you a <laughs> negative comment is the same way I look at a positive comment. I take them both in stride. I don't take either of them too serious. Yeah. But at this, but the takeaway is for you and, and for me is that I feel fortunate that someone cares enough to take the time to send a message, which is the most mm -hmm. important thing. Because let's just say you're doing a show or say you're tweeting or whatever. You're trying to have a conversation and there's no one at the other end of the phone or the other end of the tweet or the, sh you know what I mean? Then you're like, Oh yeah. crap. I really got to reevaluate what I'm doing. Not necessarily how someone's reacting to it. So, but I think it's cool. I think for you, I, I think it's, it's been interesting and, and fun to watch 
you know, the success you've had and, and you seem like you're generally really happy doing what you get to do. And, and that's a lot of the reason why, you know, I agreed to do this also because we met in person and because, you know, I want to see you do well. And and it has nothing to do with the fact that you think I'm the best player of all time. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think it's cool, man. And if there's anything I can do to ever help you out, uh, don't hesitate to reach out and, but don't let Johnny Rockets one, two, three, four, five, get inside your head because <laughs> it's just, it's just take with a grain of salt and, and all, but you'll flip Johnny Rockets on his head. If you respond to him in a neutral or even better positive way, you'll be surprised. Try it next time. No. Yeah. It, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm totally with you there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody that is very, uh, focused on like self-improvement. Yeah. No, I think that's part of it too. Is like, it's realizing, Hey, look, it's not supposed to be, you're not supposed to be happy a thousand percent of the time. And when something goes wrong, like even in some weird way, I, I sometimes take solace or enjoyment in that because it's another challenge, right? It's like, all right, well, Hey, this went wrong. This went terribly wrong. How do I make sure this doesn't happen again? Exactly. You know? So, Uh, yeah, I find, I find a lot of happiness just in, the attempt like the the working toward improving yeah i mean like you're the one at bat you're the one swinging the bat it's it's really easy to be in the stands and never put yourself out there but you also don't get a heck of a lot either and you don't impact a lot of people where you're in a position where you know you entertain you inform and you get to do what you like for a living so i mean that in itself is you know it's it's like the ultimate what's Johnny Rockets going to say to you that's going to stop you from doing that? <laughs> exactly. That that Johnny Rockets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if there's a Johnny Rockets listening and we have besmirched your name and you're like, hey, I didn't say that, then I apologize. <laughs> hey, if, if, there's a, if, you, if there's no Johnny Rockets out there, someone please make a Twitter account, Johnny Rockets <laughs> 112357, and try to rile up Taryn because I'm going to watch how you react. <laughs> Don't do it right away. Wait a couple months and I'm going to look for how he responds. All right. Sounds good. Um, Dan, where can people find uh, all, all of your stuff that's going on? Yeah. So I have a podcast uh, every Monday. Uh, you can find that on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher's Dan Geeson Podcast. It's kind of like the diary. I kind of peel back the fourth wall. I talk about on a weekly basis what's going well, what's not going well, and kind of what I've learned from it and thus the viewer or listener can learn from. So that's, that comes out every week, every Monday. I have a Twitch show that is live on twitch.tv slash Dan Giesling Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 12 p.m. Eastern standard time. And I have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Dan Giesling where two gaming videos come out every single day. And then more recently I've been active on Instagram at instagram.com slash dan sharing kind of some behind the scenes stuff a little bit more of my personal life and uh, pretty active there as well so that's if you're looking to catch up with me that's where you can if you're looking for big brother feedback or anything like that i'll live tweet a little bit during the season and um but outside of that i'm not too involved in the community outside of a couple one-off things like this but uh i'm always watching from afar even when people think i'm not watching or keeping an eye on them, whether it's Taryn or the show, I'm always, I'm always out there watching. So, awesome. Uh, you can of course find me at Armstrong Taryn on Twitter. Uh, I've also been on Instagram. Um, I've been trying at least. Uh, I feel like I found I found that Instagram has changed how I've interacted with the world. Where like now I'm trying to be like, oh, can I 
because I don't you I've never been a person that takes pictures of myself. So now I'm mm-hmm. like, where, where it's, can I get really a picture odd. of myself? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing that's changed for me and I hope that helps you is like, I've been more about documenting as opposed to trying to create things. So like, Hey, mm-hmm. here's a picture of me, whatever, prepping for this podcast. or here's, here's on my desk, you know, whatever, you know, people, cause I say people like to see like what goes beyond the, behind the scenes or something that they're not used to seeing. And I only say that because when I go on Instagram, that's what I want to see. Like, I want to see, Hey, what does, Terrence workspace look like or what it you know what is he doing to prep for a show and so I think when for me when I stopped overthinking it and just kind of was like hey here's what's going on right now that's when things started to click um but it is I mean I'm I'm in your boat like if I don't have to like meaning I don't have anything I don't like posting something of just me it does happen Mm -hmm. from time to time but it's not it's definitely very uncomfortable but at the same time I think that's kind of like I don't say what's acceptable. That's what goes on on Instagram. So, you, yeah. you know, you got to balance it, but it is, I mean, I'm glad you, I don't say I'm glad you feel the way cause, but it is for me, it's, it's the same way. Like I don't, it's not native for me to take a picture of myself doing something and then posting yeah, it. It's very unnatural, but yeah, but for some people it's like, yo, that, that is natural. So yeah. So they, I feel like it's uh I feel like a lot of people, growing up with a phone in their camera now uh, are like uh it's very natural for them especially yeah and we got to catch up or at least do it our own way yeah exactly uh you can also of course find me on twitch as well uh twitch.tv slash taryn armstrong why is your twitter backwards because somebody has taryn armstrong are they active? somebody who's never never no not active they've uh i don't think they've ever tweeted um and their 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 bio just says baller <laughs> you, should, you should try and find them have you tried like looking up their personal information and then <laughs> no I don't, I don't know how to find it um do you know, know where that like, person's located at i don't think so i don't think it says uh, i think they're just well, Taryn, uh, there's always a way there's always a way <laughs> uh anyways what, do, what have you been playing on twitch um lately i've been playing a lot of apex apex legends Ooh, okay Yes, I don't know if you've you've played any of that yet. I've played it, yeah. I kind of, I play with on Tuesday nights. I play with a group of four guys, so that kind of ruled out Apex for us. But it was it was cool. Who's your main in Apex? Uh, well, I, I don't have one anymore. I just play with everyone. I've been trying to get the uh, uh, 100 kills with, <laughs> with seven here legends. Wow. Um, yeah, I've I, I've I've been into it a lot. I was um, I, I I really like playing like the story games. Yeah, uh, where you're like making decisions along the way. I really liked uh, Detroit Become Human. Yeah, um, I, when that one came out, I played that. So I'm, I'm going to share this other weird fact with you. I ended up playing that game and just talk about you never know what's going to happen. Like I'll talk to you a year from now privately, and you're like, "Hey, Dan, you won't believe this random thing that just happened just by being out there." So I played that game, but I played it for a European TV channel. So long story short, like I, I couldn't tell you this would happen, but they contact me because they saw a video and they're like, hey, we make content for our, our TV channel that plays in Europe. I'm like, sure. And they're like, hey, we're going to pay you. I'm like, awesome. But that's the whole thing about the internet. You don't know what's going to happen. Like you could be hosting, yeah. who knows what podcast a year from now. So I'm just glad you're taking at bats because eventually, you know, I mean, things are going to grow and some, some opportunity is going to hit you out of left field and then you're going to get to do that and run your own show and whatever you want. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. 
Make it, making the attempt. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So you can find me on Twitch if you want. Uh, I also, I also like to do like, uh, I just like talk about random things on Twitch. I'll just like go live and be like, "Hey, we're gonna talk about Game of Thrones because <laughs> this needs to be talked about." And then you, and then you go live. I've seen you live on there during like Big Brother stuff. You do like a Big Brother yes. live something on there. Yeah, well, you know, if something's happening on the on the live feeds, I'll just go live and do like live commentary. That's awesome because I imagine there's no one else that does that, or at least does it in the capacity you do. Yeah, I uh, I wish I'd been doing it uh, Big Brother 14 because that would have been fun. <laughs> well, cool, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I hope you uh, you enjoyed. I hope you you know you got what you needed and. And I'll like I said, anything I can do to help you in the future, don't do not hesitate to reach out. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, for coming on. My pleasure, man. Best of luck to you. All right. Later, Tim. Parents asking questions. Parents finding out. Parents looking deeper. That's what it's all about. It's the Tim Show. So you